Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse, our podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse podcast with yours truly Mr. Stephen Hesse. Yes, the random tangent Geordie is back to do regular podcasting again. It's like those miracles do exist. It's not, I sound like the guy from Big Brother, like dear five of the Big Brother Hoot. Stephen has realised that the Geek Apocalypse podcast is worth doing. He go Stephen to the diary room. <laughs> Sorry, um, the one in England. Everyone outside England is not going to get that reference, but uh, for for those that do, you're very welcome. Uh, but anyway, huge thank you for checking out this edition of the podcast. I'm um, hugely excited to talk about today's guest, Gary O'Brien, um, who basically uh, was on the ep- an episode of the Engage podcast, which I actually featured in last month's uh, episode, uh, to talk about mental health and Star Trek, which is obviously important. So I encourage you guys to check that out. If you type in the Engage podcast, you'll find not only Gary's episode, if it's out now, but also mine about mental health, which is super important. Um, so yeah, um, and uh, so he contacted me about talking about Star Trek short films he does. So he has a website called StarTrekShortFilms.com uh, where you can find out all the stuff that we're talking about in, a, uh, in this podcast and what I'm about to um, refer to. Because uh, uh, he's a big, huge Star Trek fan and he does fan films in, based in the future, uh, in the future, in the context of Star Trek Next Generation, as in that era. And uh, they're really, really good. Um, he sent me, obviously, to go on... I went on their website and he mentioned to go on Chance Encounter, which is a YouTube on, on YouTube, um, which was the fan film he did last year for about two grand. And I was really shocked because um, for how little money it was made, it was really, really good. And I, I don't say that to be, you know, patronised. And I really generally believed it was good. Um, and you, anyone who listens to this knows that I'm honest. So obviously he was here to talk about that. I encourage you to watch that. But also he has a Kickstarter right now, which has currently got two weeks left, um, called The Holy Call, which is going to be a brand new story set in the Next Generation universe. Um, and so he wants something like nine, gra- nine grand, I believe. So if you go on his website, StarTrekShortFilms.com, You'll see the Kickstarter page, as well as um, as well as the Chance Encounter and everything else that he's worked on. But obviously, he came on to talk about that. We very Star Trek heavy about how he got involved in Star Trek in terms of enjoying it and watching it as it's growing up, and um, how he became wanted to do fan films in the first place. He talks about working in the industry as a special effects guy. So he talks about uh, working on Die Another Day and the James Bond film, as well as uh, um, Oliver Stone's Alexander. Um, with um, Colin Farrell, I believe it was. And uh, yeah, so um, a lot to talk about. Very, very geeky. It was really super fun. So obviously, please, I do encourage you to donate uh, towards the Holy Core because Chance Encounter, I was really surprised with how good it was. And it's not made for any money. It's a complete fan-made thing. And oh, by the way, we do talk about CBS guidelines as well, which is interesting about making fan stuff. But anyway, my quick news is Mentally Sound, the radio show that I do about mental health, maybe going to two two times a month, but I'll talk about that next time. And the next guest is Alex, Alex from Battlebots is returning towards the end of the month, but this is Gary O'Brien, one of our short films and Star Trek. go. Uh, 
I'm quite ahead of that. Yeah. I like that my dad liked it. So <laughs> if your dad likes something, then hopefully it means you kind of, you want to find out more. And then I don't remember anything more about Star Trek until I was in, I guess I was about 10. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know why I was doing it, but something must have made me think back to Star Trek because I remember drawing on a whiteboard at school with uh, a pen, like mm-hmm. a, profile picture of the original series Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and they're my two earliest kind of memories of it, mm-hmm. but I don't quite know why I was doing that. I must have seen <laughs> it on the TV. <laughs> I always make the joke about, for those that, like, because um, we should mention for, for people tuning in, um, this might be a little Star Trek heavy, so we apologise, and just to be a little bit of, uh, give a little bit of uh, rule set up, is that we won't necessarily have to mention, like, we assume there's some implied knowledge when people are listening to this, because we can't go into detail to say what everything is, so hopefully you'll, you've got the Googles working and you're typing in certain things you mentioned. But um, I was just going to make a joke of for the Trekkies that, like, the Doomsday Machine, I used to always think it looked like a big giant worm, and it used to freak me the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. when I first saw it going, it's a big giant worm, and it's coming towards them, and I, it freaked me out to this day. Like, I hate it. Um, but it was a good episode. I'll give it that, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, I think it was actually, I think I've read it, it was actually a windstock, because I think somebody said, oh, it looks like a, it looks like a bloody windstock, and then like, it actually was, with like a load of glue and paint on it. I generally didn't know that, that tickled yeah. me. Oh, um, yeah, that, uh, it's amazing, like, I mean, we'll get on to, because I was talking to Gary, but sort of like the pre-interview type bit, where I was just basically like, um, love directing stuff, I'm always fascinated to talk about that kind of thing, and it's like... Um, early, early, like, ways of getting around special effects, like, does that kind of tickle your fancy in terms of doing things? And, like, when you hear about, like, like the the famous one about the, the envelope opening is the Star, Star Wars dolls, like, that always, that always, right. like, intrigues me. But um, does that kind of thing, was, the, like, in terms of, like, you becoming what you did now, was watching stuff like Star Trek and all that kind of thing and figuring out how stuff works? Are you one of them people who, like, likes dissecting how things work? Yeah, I think so, to some degree at least. Yeah. I think most, most boys like to take something apart when they're a kid, you yeah. know. <laughs> you know, you know, you just uh, take the you know, you got a toy and you start unscrewing it and then you you've got no idea how to put it back together and you wish you hadn't done it. But <laughs> a couple <laughs> of weeks later you're taking something else apart. So yeah, <laughs> that's why Lego like that's why else. That's why Lego's so great, isn't it? That's why Lego's so popular, I think, is because you just break it apart and put it back together. Yeah, um, there you yeah. go. Exactly. Uh, um, so then Yeah, so up. so a little bit I was like that, I guess, but um uh, in, yeah, in terms of uh, when I was a, a kid as well, I, I used to quite enjoy magic. I used to do a bit of magic. I was in the uh, sort of the junior magic circle. Uh, oh, there right. Was, there was such a thing, but uh, there was. I think it was quite new when I was the age. <laughs> this this, this was this goes to how geeky I am. I thought you meant the magic, the card game, but you mean it as in a magician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, that could have been both ways. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you were a young wizard, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, well, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I used to kind of enjoy stuff like that. And I think yeah. film is a big deception in a lot of ways. Correct. Um, uh, yeah, you I know. think you're right, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that part of my brain that kind of enjoyed conjuring tricks. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I didn't carry on with that. But I, I, part of me still likes the kind of the artifice of film, how something, mm. as long as it looks right on the screen, it doesn't matter how you made it exactly, or created yeah. it at all, as long as it looks, as long as it gets the job done. And I, I quite <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 because it's amazing how many people come up with... That's one of the reasons I think people get into trivia with, with geeky stuff. Like, I mean, with anything, really, with how something's made, um, is if you find out the sort of mechanics of how stuff's made, 
um, and then realised that like it was something really simplistic that got it there. Like I think that's why people get fascinated by trivia, like yeah. tri- trivia questions, because it's like, wow, I didn't know that such and such was made in that way. Like as I just laughed when you said about the Doomsday Machine. So um, yeah. and it can work great. the other way as well, I guess. Like sometimes something you assume is really complicated. Yeah. Oh man, just a bit of piano wire or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Wow, amazing. You know? Yeah, you were making me think actually when you said that. I remember watching a documentary about Red Dwarf, and um, there was a there was a uh, episode. I'm I'm gonna like lose geek points by not knowing the episode, but um, uh, but it was the 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 episode with um where they were um had parallels. There was two different Red Dwarfs, um, right. and um, there was a bit where um. Crichton and um, Lister and the cat had polar opposites of each other and they were walking in the same corridor and they couldn't work out how to get them to be symmetrically, symmetrically the same of each other. Right. And then, like, I can't remember exactly what they said in order to make it work, but they ended up, like, half in the, half in the screen and then, like, um, putting, like, Vaseline on it or something to mirror right. the... I can't remember what it was, but they were, apparently, in the documentary, they basically said it took... They went... They spent hours on literally about a 10-second clip of them just walking up, and the effect was supposed to be that you saw them both side by side. Right. And then they just... And then someone went, what if we did this? And it worked perfectly. <laughs> it was just a but, bit of... Tuck- well, no, <laughs> it would have been... Uh, it would have been a very low-budget... Yes, uh, exactly, yeah. ...solution. Yeah, yeah. So it was just all this thing where they're, like, they're going, how are we going to do this? And then someone randomly goes, let's try this. And, like, that's what I love about filmmaking, when you hear that people just go, let's give this a go and see if it works. And as you yeah, said... Yeah. It fools the audience. Like I think that was a really good description you said because I think you're right. I think it is deception in the sense of you don't know how it's made. Um, yeah. Well, I saw a really you know. cool. I mean, it's not my entirely original thought, if if I'm honest, because I yeah. saw I I wouldn't know now what the hell it was, but I saw a YouTube video and it was sort of talking about how people often uh, don't like CG in movies. And mm. I'd count myself amongst one of those, you know. I've, yeah. You know, I've got the usual biases that I think we all have. <laughs> oh, it looks fake, whatever. But, but <laughs> it, it, I changed my mind on it a little bit because they, this, it was a very well done YouTube video and somebody who put it together was basically saying that the entire history of cinema has been about cheating. Yeah. Um, for, like the earliest ever films were basically a jump cut to make something appear or disappear yeah. on a table. Yeah. And its entire history has been about uh, deceit and artifice and stuff. And so then I thought, well, yeah, the CG, I don't feel as as bad towards it as maybe I had done before the video. So yeah. whoever made it, whatever it was, thank you for coming <laughs> into my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I see I see what you're saying because um I, I know what you mean, like kind of you do go to the old school thing of right? you you're making me think of for some bizarre reason you make me think of the last Rambo film where I remember Stallone said in an interview once that nobody that nobody would direct it because they didn't think it would do very well because it was years after the last one. So right. he ended he ended up directing it and they did the whole Burm was it the Burma crisis or Bermuda? Uh, I can't. I always get there too much. I never up, saw but, it. To be honest. But I, I never saw it. I, I never yeah. saw it either. It was not really my thing. But I just was interested in the interview because he said like they did everything real because he's like a bomb's a bomb because we literally couldn't afford to make the bomb <laughs> a CGI version of right. a bomb. So we did a bomb and. Although, I thought about that for a while, because it wasn't that long ago, and it does make me sort of think that, like, 
when they do have less money and they have to do certain things for real, it does make it look more realistic. So I guess I, I can see that side of it, but then you can do way more now in CGI than you ever could. And also, I guess from insurance purposes, there's less likely someone's going to get hurt because a lot less stunts being done these days. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Um, because you hear about people like, you know, still getting fatalities in the odd films and whatnot. Yeah, occasionally. Film. And yeah. even recently, you know, with Tom Cruise, he keeps injuring himself in yeah. his Mission Impossible films. Exactly, stuff. yeah. But I must admit, so. it's gone. I really sort of don't know what to think anymore because yeah. there was definitely a period where in, in movies were coming out, and I'm talking, I guess, I guess like 20 years ago. Wow. But certainly know, like yeah. the early 2000s and stuff, when yes. the CG just really wasn't ready. Yeah. And I think I really got into the mindset then that CG is just bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has really come a long way and the amount of times you see special features on stuff and there's so much CG in, in films and TV shows mm-hmm. that you simply don't pick up on because it's not anything you think should or would be CG yeah like uh, I, I forget the name of that TV series that David Finch is doing it's set in the 70s about serial killer thing and mm-hmm. I saw again on YouTube some um, some video about that because mm-hmm. he's a master at like these subtle visual effects that just make the production quicker and easier, yeah. but don't jump out at you. Yeah. So uh, they, they were just doing things like because it was a seventies set in the seventies, but they were filming on real streets that the the curbstones uh, had been lowered for disabled access. Some oh. law in the nineties meant all the curbs have to dip at the crosswalks. Oh yeah. Um, but that's not period to the seventies, so they just digitally painted in these curbstones on this street <laughs> shot. Well, you'd never look and notice. And even when it's pointed out, it's something that CG's good at doing. It can yeah. do things like that. It's when it's a giant spaceship or, or some alien or something where you, you know it's not real. Therefore, yeah. you know it is CG and therefore yeah. you can see all the faults in it. Yeah. But the amount of times when, you know, just a car or, or something just innocuous and subtle is CG and we don't notice... Um, I think is actually quite stunning. Yeah, and, it, and that's breakdowns. a good. That's a really good example as well. I think if if I was making a, I'm assuming making as big of a film or television series, that that's also like not time consuming. Uh, whereas if it was doing like the way you said, where you'd have to fix something like an entire street that didn't make sense, like how the hell do you get around that practically? Whereas yeah. you're just bugging into a computer and it's relatively relatively straightforward. Um, yeah, well, it's you know. certainly easier to just employ some dude to sit in a room yes, doing it. Than exactly, it yeah. The practically. The yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you just change this entire street to 70s, please? Um, you know, it, uh, in some ways, I mean, but I, you know, I should say that generally, certainly in the films I make, I, I do as, as little CG in it as possible because yeah. it's just, I always think it looks better, as we're saying. Yeah. But like I said a moment ago, I kind of don't know what to think anymore because I watched Dunkirk. Oh, great film. Christopher Nolan is, is sort of notorious for doing everything in camera where he can and so on. But I must admit, and I was having this conversation with my dad, I I was shocked to find myself saying, shouldn't he have like not been quite so adamant to not put CG in? Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure the beach was supposed to have like a lot more people on it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I mean, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I, from everything else I've read, and he's like, Well no, we want real extras. It's like, okay. But I thought there was supposed to be like at least a hundred thousand. Yeah, it was hundred. Yeah, it was over a hundred thousand because yeah, I remember doing this. Or three hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no way you got that many extras. And mm-hmm. I, I know because I watched the uh, special features with my dad that they did have some like uh, they printed up large 
uh, sort of uh, sheets of cardboard cutouts. Oh, right. Yeah. And they were like, way off in the background. So Yeah, but you're right, like, though. There's just a panover. In the film, I remember seeing it. Yeah, there's just a panover, isn't there, of about, I'd say, 10,000 maybe looked, well, I don't know, probably less than that. But, it's, you, you know, yeah, as you said, it's not the whole beach, is it? And, like, loads and no. loads of them. Because, yeah, it was the it's entire like, British army. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, and it's like, you know... Great for doing it in camera, nice yeah. one. But you, dude, if you're not actually recreating it properly, then maybe you shouldn't point. be so adamant. I don't know. Fair point. But um, I, I I concur with you on that. But I, I was going to say just I mean because um, um I must remember I was going to talk to you about CGI in relation to the stuff you do do because that was something I was interested in. But um but but uh, what I would say as well, it's an interesting conversation about CGI because what I was going to say as well, I I thought originally when you were going to bring like 20 years ago. When, when like, when CGI became, like, affordable or, like, mainstream films were starting to do them, I mm. think they just went gung-ho with them all. Like, because yeah. there's just... Uh, one, what the example I always say is Man of, Man, Man of Steel, because um, I remember going to the pictures to see that, and um, I thought the first, like, hour was quite dramatic and I was quite into, like, seeing how he became Superman, and then it just went... Now we're going to throw everyone into buildings and right. <laughs> see how many buildings we can knock over. And I'm like, I actually went turned to my friend and said, it is like watching a CGI version of someone trying to bowl, like in a bowling alley. Right. Like, right. just let's see how much stuff we can just knock down <laughs> and just see how beautiful we can make it look. And I'm going, and I honestly, at one point, I just went, I felt like, you know, that I don't even see in the Billy Connolly um routine where he, uh, about opera where he's going I get it I get it he has to go away like the bit where right. he keeps doing all them seats that them songs going he's going away he's going away and I'm I'm watching the whole CGI's going I get it I yeah. get it you can hit people into buildings and make it look cool like he can go for a train and hit a he can go for a train like in Spider-Man he can hit he can go for a train and hit like the pole in the middle I get it but yeah. what does it matter like yeah. what is like I don't need to say this a hundred times like, yeah, um, so was, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely that period. I think, like, I, like, I, I roughly peg it. I guess at like the early two thousands, when, when, I don't know, there were films like, I don't know, <laughs> I Robot. Oh yeah, Star Wars prequels. Yes, and where, where I don't know, everything just seemed like that, that they they thought it was better than it was. Like, yeah, they were working on it, and it, sure, it was impressive in a way, but yeah. it, it just they were they put the audiences off. I think a bit, yeah. and I think it's taken until sort of now for people to maybe start not just being like automatically averse to CG because mm-hmm. it, I think it got off on the wrong foot with audiences. It was yeah. like the studios and the directors had these new toys and they kind of forgot that it actually looked quite bad. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because like you watch something like iRobot, yeah, and it's all, you, start, you start to suddenly realise how dated some of these things look. Yeah. Um, and, and also just as you say how little like done properly it is. I know like we're talking quite sort of niche in the sense of if you have any idea how stuff's made you'll kind of understand a little bit more about what we mean but because um, it's not necessarily that noticeable to everybody who goes to see films but um, but yeah I, I, I completely agree with you um, it, 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 it's, they, they kind of got a bit lazy because I, I think they kind of thought we can make money we can make money doing it this way and churn a bunch of these out. I mean, granted, they take a lot longer to make um, yeah. to come out and whatnot. But it was like Terminator Salvation is another one I'm thinking of, like right. where it was just like a really good franchise that they just completely bombarded with 
um, let's make big giant robots, which is not really the yeah, whole point of Terminator. Yeah, that was um, mixed um, feelings about that film, yeah. but certainly the one bit I re- that really, really doesn't gel with me is that big giant robot. I yeah, like, what? that's what <laughs> I mean. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, so they wanted to be Transformers, like a poor ass substitute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they've really got to have that bit in so that yeah. we can maybe sell some toys of it. Well, well, well yeah, well... I don't know if you I don't know if you know this, but they all signed on to do trilogy. They thought it would be I brilliant. Thought I heard that, yeah. yeah. And they, they thought, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's more famous for. I'm sure people listening to this are going. That's more famous for Christian Bale's outburst, yeah, <laughs> than yeah. anything else. Which I thought I might. Sorry, one. I was going to say, and also for completely ruining the plot of the film with the trailer. That's <laughs> yeah, got to be one of the. <laughs> The most egregious examples of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like we know what's happening. Oh, what, what do we need? Do we need to go and see it? Oh, no, right. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, because the bit where that's funny as well, because you kind of knew it was John Connor. Everyone was told he was John Connor, and the whole point of the film is that one bit where he announces in the resistance that he's John Connor, and I'm like. Okay, we kind of know that. <laughs> I guess, yeah, like, no, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so Maybe. I assumed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we assumed that's who it was. Yeah, but anyway. Um, uh, and anyway. He, never, he never thought over all that time to like back up those tape recordings of his mum. <laughs> He's still listening to the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. I mean, I get it. They're trying to sort of visually show you. Yeah, you know, it's not the same if he just clicks on some yeah. icon on his yeah. desktop. Yeah, but it's it's just you know you're damned what you do or damned <laughs> damned either way really. Anyway, that was for them. That was a fun tangent, though, because I think that's, that's an interesting... Like, I know we kind of, like, very, very quickly just delved through about 30, 40 years of t- film, but that is, CGI-wise, it's quite interesting. Um, but anyway, so... Because um, uh, I was going to get on to, to, to Star Trek. We'll get obviously get on to specifically Star Trek, because obviously we'll talk about your films in a bit. But um, I'm just curious, because of what we were talking about, like, in terms of... Because obviously, you know, being a director of the stuff that you... You mentioned that the, you work on stuff now, your own films and whatnot... Um, was there a particular thing, because I hear this with directors, you know, I watch a lot of interviews because it's part of my job, um, and was there a particular film for you, like, growing up, that, for example, that, you know, I'm always curious about, like, how do people end up doing, wanting to do films? Did, like, did you stumble into it, or was it a desire to do, and was, or was there a film that made you go, oh, that's cool, I want to make something like that, if you see what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm not too sure there was a specific film that would have that I could point to and say that that was some aha, you know, Alan Partridge aha moment. Um, <laughs> Good <laughs> but, reference. Uh, but um, I certainly remember being very young. Me and these kids that lived in my street at the place I lived and my brother, we we, we had no idea how to make a film, but we were going to make a film. And <laughs> we, it was all going to... We never actually made it, but we, we just spent days and days in the, in the summer holiday, I guess, like rehearsing the film. It was all done in it was going to all be done in one long take and we planned it and we like got on our bikes at one end of the road and rode down to somebody's house and had a big fight there and then we all got on bikes and rode to somebody else's drive where there was a car that we had a fight <laughs> and we never actually filmed it we just enjoyed practicing it and so that's my first memory of, of, of um, being interested in film even though there wasn't actually any filming yeah. involved uh, but imagine it though that would have been a film yeah. um, uh, but, but in terms of a film which still I really go back to and, and really... I mean, I've got lots of favourite films and, and in all sorts of different genres, you know, for different parts of your brain. But if if somebody bizarrely put a gun to my head and made me claim which one it, it was, then I'd say Terminator 2 is probably... Ah, like, yeah. It balances out because... It, it, OK, it's, it's clearly not the most intellectual film in, in <laughs> any way. Um, but I just think that it's 
so well done as a yeah. piece of filmmaking. It, 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 oh, it's still good. And also, even though there was probably another eight or nine years before CG, not to go back onto that again, but before CG came in, mm-hmm. it, it, I still think it's one of the best physical... Like James Cameron really knows how to direct actual yeah. action. Yes. Um, I, I, in my mind, things like Face Off, um, Broken Arrow kind of marked the end of big budget stuff that's all done in camera you know, in terms of action yes and it was from around 99 with The Matrix which is a great film and, and had a justification for all its CG although there's not actually that much CG in it yeah. it's, most of it's slow motion and it's just those like three or four bullet time shots but they were so effectively used yeah. and the premise of the movie was so good that you, it feels like it's this big CG movie but it yeah. really isn't when you look at it mm-hmm. um, but I think from like 99 onwards real action started to be phased out until more recently where it's almost niche again to do Mission Impossible 6 where everything's real yeah but, but in terms of um uh, um, Terminator 2 even though what was that like 91 or something so it's still yeah, like that maybe the earlier than that yeah because yeah, the, the first one was like 87 because that's when I was born I think so right I think um, it's the yeah maybe it's it's earlier than first that might even be earlier than 87 yeah. I don't know to be honest but yeah. um, uh, but I think you know obviously the CG in that but the T-1000 it is you know it still kind of holds up pretty well really um, but in terms of just the whole film, the way it hangs together as a whole, just fascinates me, that film. And, it, and it, I thought it was it's so well done. I just hope that James Cameron, because they're doing this new one with the guy that did, um, uh, yeah, I forget the name of the thing, but they're doing a new one, aren't they? James Cameron's producing it. Yeah. And the guy that did Deadpool is directing it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see if it's any good. Uh, it was 1981, by the way, because we're two points to you. I think that's what you said, wasn't it? 1981. Right, yeah. too. I, I, I thought it was earlier than that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. I mean, the reason I was nodding for people as an audio podcast, you wouldn't see me nodding the entire time Gary was talking. But um, it's because I actually have a poster of Terminator 2 behind me because I'm filming this in my bedroom. So, um, uh, recording this in my bedroom. So yeah, I have a Terminator 2 poster in my actual bedroom. So yeah, I I, I couldn't could not agree with you more um, right. in terms of how great that film is because. It's actually a really good, a really good, like you know, comparison to what you were talking about earlier. Because I'm in complete agreement with you in terms of the CGI in that. Because it, it's action with a purpose. Because um, if you think about all the stuff where, like the T1000, you it, it's to show that he's liquid. So like you know, it's to show it's that, and it's like almost like once you know that and that's his power, it's justified that you show it that way. Um, and you know, and then obviously all the stuff with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like a lot more makeup than anything else. But um, like cleverly, yeah. cleverly done makeup and, and cosmetics and whatnot. But um, but yeah, it, it, um, it, it's not like you know all the sci-fi stuff. I completely. So I think Avatar should be like kind of like a, an asterisk with James Cameron because if you look at some of the stuff he's done, like you were just saying, and Alien as well is a great example of it, where it it's the action is. Is in co- is in like a, an agreement with the plot, so it's not just yeah. like action for action's sake. Because they're, they're the films that I most dislike. Is you know when people go, I really like action films. Is what they're really saying is like it's an action film that makes the plot relevant. Because no action. If anyone just saw an action film where it's just people just beating beating each other up sense like senselessly, it doesn't make any. It's not, it's just, you're going to be bored within half an hour. Yeah. Well, they're um, the low budget now. Yes. 
forget yeah. about yeah. Yeah, you've got exactly, that yeah. niche appeal if you've got your mates around for some beers then you yeah. want to be as awful as possible yes but. like a B like a B movie yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. you want it to be you want it to suck yeah so yeah. In, a, in, a, in the best way possible but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah no, so yeah um, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more like I mean um, that, that, that really that was the first time I ever I, I, do you agree with it just, I know this is a random thing to ask you but do you agree like um, I always reference this whenever we talk about films on here because we sometimes do hosted ones is um, the Edward Furlong is just like I've never seen like a kid do so well in his first ever film like I think he like steals the film I, I, I think he's just brilliant in that like uh, Edward Furlong who plays the young John Connor he's just so they, they like apparently just like literally got him out of acting class like he wasn't even like fully ready and they just <laughs> he's just great um, yeah, I, don't, no, I, don't I would just, agree with yeah. that I think he, he's, a, he, he's damn cool as well in that yeah. film if you're if you were because I was about his age at that time I, I'm, I'm probably his age now I guess that would that would make sense yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah something's gone really wrong somewhere. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like he he was so cool. I mean, that was cool, man. In fact, I should uh, maybe afterwards I'll, I'll email it to you. But I I don't know, probably like ten years ago, I went to a fancy dress party <laughs> as John Connor from Terminator. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. And my, and I didn't think about it, but my mate he was like, "Dude, you haven't shaved." <laughs> I was like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so used to not shaving. I just didn't. <laughs> You didn't feel the whole hog. Anyone else has got like a beard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just didn't think about it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You missed missed it. I even had this really bad, crappy old laptop which I had in a in a inside the rucksack. And, um, oh yeah, like he's um, yeah. like he's a hacker, hacker. Yeah, hacker, that's hacker, right. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine, she came over and she said, because nobody was getting my costume, it just looked <laughs> like I hadn't bothered. <laughs> and uh, she came over and she was like, "You're from?" Because I've been telling some people, but I hadn't yeah. told her. And she came over. She'd obviously heard what happened, and she was like, "Are you John Connor?" And I was like, "Yeah, she's from Terminator 2." And I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "You don't have a laptop in there, do you?" I was like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and then I realised that she was completely. <laughs> Taking the uh, taking the fish, taking the you, know. out, you can yeah. you can swear by the way. This is a fully thing you put, um, if you need, if you still desire. Um, we can swear. Wow. Yeah. Oh, um, power. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm just letting you know, just in case. Cause I, I saw a few times you were like stopping yourself, and I'm just saying it's like, yeah. Right, um, I'm, you a know, polite, I'm a polite young man. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, yeah, no. That's a that's a, a, a fantastic example of really good filmmaking. And yeah, I mean, um, that's like that would be on my like top ten list. Probably someone pushed me. Um, that and aliens, like yeah. And as I said, I don't like all of James Cameron stuff, but yeah, that that is a masterpiece. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I reckon. Um, so, like, in terms of, um, so, because obviously we had to talk about Star Trek as well, um, when I mentioned that you watched it with your dad at the beginning, and you said you mm. saw the Doomsday Machine, like, what was the point of time in your life where, like, d- are you, did you become, a, like, a regular watcher of Star Trek? Like, when did that start? Okay, um, I used to watch it every day after school when I was... When I was end of primary school, beginning of secondary school, so when I was like 10 and 11, and then I watched it all through my um, teens on TV after school every day, um, wow. over and over and over again. <laughs> um, so, and because for, for some of that time, I didn't like, you know, you, you get more and more versed in it, the more you it strikes a chord with you. So one day you're watching an episode and you're like, great, I'm loving this. And then the next next week, it's Encounter at Farpoint again. And you're like, oh, man, I didn't... 
Oh, no, you mean I like the that. you mean the repeat thing where it just yeah, it just puts random ones out? Yeah. So I just had Sky One, and it wasn't. I don't think it was <laughs> as common when we first. Had, I think it was when it was quite new. Still, yeah, we happened to have it, and um, and yeah, back when you know in the very early days, I didn't have the episode guides or anything, and there was no you know internet or anything. So yeah. unless you owned a book, you couldn't look this stuff up. So you'd just be watching away merrily, and then the next day it would come on and. Picard's in the wrong uniform and <laughs> thought, and you're like, oh man, but you watched it anyway. And, <laughs> well, that's uh, what I was just about to say, do you think that's why so many people become Trekkies and in like encyclopedias for Star Trek? Because I think part of it was down to the generation that we grew up in, because there'll be people maybe, uh, say someone 18, listen to this, not having a clue what we're talking about, because... Um, uh, because uh, repeat programming now, because the, that that type of thing doesn't exist anymore. Because you can know what's on, and if it's something, if it's on like a Netflix or something, you can choose what episode to watch at any time that you mm. like. Um, yeah. Whereas when we were growing up, because I was born in '87, so I I my first recollection of Star Trek is sort of to give you a frame of reference is because that was roughly when Next Generation started. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I remember seeing Next Generation because my dad was a huge fan of the original, and he watched every single episode of Next Generation when it came out. So, right. w- as as Gary just said, when we <laughs> when something when it when it was on, no matter what the episode was, it was like Star Trek's on. And then when they did the whole syndicate thing, it was uh, syndication thing. Sorry, um, th- it, it could have been any episode in the whole. Once it ended and it became syndication, you could just turn it on. It's like, oh, it's the damn. It's boob. It's booby trap again. <laughs> um, <laughs> like there's always seemed to be the same episode. That's a joke, everybody. The one that I always saw was um, Survivors. Is it Kevin and Rashawn Uxbridge? Oh yes. <laughs> That's the one that was always on. It was always that episode. It's a good one. Yeah, you can. You probably can only watch it so many. Times. And yet, yeah, and then you find it, and then an episode comes on that you really dislike, and you're like, "Why is this in? Why is this in the syndication? Like, why? Why do they keep deciding this in the lottery reel of episodes?" Yeah, right? yeah. And then it got to where it was in order. But you had to watch them every like night, so it was like they did that, 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 like some channels did that. So it was all like, okay, well I can skip, I can skip tomorrow's because um, <laughs> that one, it's yeah, that it's, one, it's yeah. The higher the viewer, yeah. Oh God, remember that one? Yeah, I'm sure we could talk about Star Trek episodes we least dislike because there's many, there's many um, that I know that I really don't like. But because um, I've, I've been, I rewatched Next Generation uh, uh, through over like the Christmas period, I think it was, um, and. Uh, do you go along with the premise then? I guess let's 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 throw out some Star Trek related like I guess stereotypes really, and see if you're on board with some of them. So because like okay. next because so, next generation, because um, we mean the engaged podcast guys who you've been on with, um, they, that we we talk about this sort of stuff all the time. And um, so for example, did you agree with the premise that like in the first season of Next Generation they were just like all over the place? Because I have heard the odd people who says. But they quite like the first season, so I'm interested what you think. Um, it's it's tricky because I know they were all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> now we know we've got all, <laughs> yeah. all the skeletons are out, and we know all what really happened, what was going on. Um, when I was of an age to be watching it for the first time, I just knew that it was more. I think watching those the first two seasons, it was more in just the production value, not the production value really, just the production design of it. Yeah, the way they lit it. The, the way it was also echoey. It was yeah. more like the original series, in, in, not just with the stories, but in the production. So if somebody walked across the bridge, you could kind of hear their feet 
yeah. awkwardly <laughs> echoing around the soundstage. Yeah, yeah. Whereas some, somehow from season three, they were like, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, I know they moved the bridge set from one soundstage to another between season one and two, I think. Um, but yeah. th- it was still not quite right. It was, And it continued to get slicker, the production, but it got more and more subtle between each season. The, the sort of, uh, It got slicker and slicker looking as it went on into, through the seven seasons next gen. But um, certainly those first two stood out, and that was the most noticeable thing, I think, to me when I was a kid watching it. Yeah. In terms of whether or not uh, they're better or worse, I mean, uh, it just depends what mood you're in. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> I mean, I would probably go to something from season four onwards if I was just going to pick yes. a random episode out. Um, but there, but there's great value in, in those first two seasons as well, I think, because I think, you know, it strikes me that what's missing in latter Star Trek, you know, was was they always just would encounter some aliens who had a bureaucracy and spaceships and and they were basically the, the wonder, that kind of 2001 Space Odyssey, yeah. the Star Trek, the motion picture element seemed yeah. to fade away as Star Trek went on through, through you know, Voyager and Enterprise and stuff. Yes. And even Next Gen as it went on, you know. And, and I think there's, that, that's a shame because it'd be great to see that sort of story done with the more modern treatment and budget and production values that you know you just didn't get those kinds of stories because they were still in very much using the original series as the model yeah um and then those sorts of stories which i guess just weren't in vogue in that yeah, yeah, the time. The 60s, yeah. Really. yeah um, true. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, 2001 was obviously the 60s, you know. Yeah. So. I know, and to think that, like, I, I, it's funny as well because you've also got to remember as well, I know that this is just a simple, you know, contextual point, but, um, you know, Next Generation started in the late 80s and ended in the mid 90s. So it was like, that, it, it changed decades during the time that it was on. So I think mm. that it, it helped in that sense because um, it's amazing how much the 80s series look dated and then like 90s kind of picked up a little and then and then obviously what i think like you get sort of babylon 5 which is when cgi started to pick up and and mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff but um but yeah well, what strikes me is the story what strikes yeah, me is funny is the thought i had the other day is we think of like back to the future as yeah. like this quintessentially like super 80s thing and it yes. seems but next gen started like well they were in pre-production and stuff 86. in 86 yeah and I, I, it, <laughs> it fries my brain to think that, <laughs> no, yeah. you know, that, that was that they were happening at the same it's time. At the same time, much. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know it's so... And I mean, like, you look at... So, that's why I think you look at something as amazing. I referenced it earlier. Like, the the, the first two Alien films. And mm. just, like, they, they still look great. Um, at least in, I mean, I know they remastered the first one, which I actually went to the pictures to see because it's 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 a brilliant film. But um, but yeah, it's just that the, some some stuff looks really really good, and then stuff looks like really really terrible. And I think the eighties, for whatever reason, the eighties, because I guess because they were doing all the, I know this is a generic thing, and I was born in eighty seven, so I obviously wasn't like sort of present totally in the eighties, but. Um, they because they were doing a lot of like experimental and out there, a lot of science fictiony type stuff. From what I seem to remember, is that you got some really really great masterpieces and got some like really stuff that really dated really quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was like a really good like spectrum of like films where. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But um, it's but like yeah. if you watch um eighties music videos. Yes. Th- yeah. Every every nineteen eighties music video. <laughs> 
films a TV screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, yeah. dude. <laughs> That's it, a really good observation. I didn't look at that. I get uh, my girlfriend gets so sick of me going filming a TV. I mean, literally, <laughs> if you stick one of the channels on that shows old music videos from the eighties, always filming a television screen. It was like we're blowing our minds by filming a TV screen, and then uh, you know, it's cool. It, why not? It but really, it, it really leads to. I know this is like a probably a little bit like such an old man thing I'm about to say, but it's like um, it kind of does let you be aware of how much people just copy stuff that they think's a good idea. Mm, and I think that's players. yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> you name millions thing, yeah. You name a million daft stuff that you know everyone wants to be like the next Twitter or whatever. You know, I guess, you know everyone just copies a good idea and like puts their own yeah. spin on it, kind of thing. And I mean, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And music videos seem to be. You know, because I, I, mean, I say this to my girlfriend all the time, I know this is another segue, but like, reality TV is just like, um, me and my girlfriend watched that pro- a program where it was couples that weren't doing very well, so they swapped partners. Right. It was this experiment thing on Channel 4 where they go to Thailand, and so like, the husband goes with the wife of somebody else, and the and the husband goes with the wife of somebody else. Like, what, so... Like so Next no, no. It, well, it 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 implies that that's allowed if that's what they want right. to do. But right. it's it they're with other partners for two weeks in like this really flamboyant villa in Thailand. Like they're all in different houses, and right. like it's just basically like a social thing of seeing how they do. And you get like the the first episode was like telling you how the couples were struggling or what was their issue. And I'm right. going. And I turn to my girlfriend and goes, I'm so glad we're okay, because we're watching a program where they're actually wanting these people to not be together, which is just like, yeah. no yeah. programs do that. Like, like a dating thing's all like, I hope they get together. This one's like, yeah. we want you to, we want you to break up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we're going to, uh, yeah, it's, it's so good. terrible. Yeah. Um, no, I, I imagine it all ended in disaster. I already saw the first episode, so yeah. it's like, yeah. But, but it's, it's like, uh, my girlfriend said it's like watching a car crash, you kind of don't want to watch it, but you kind of do, and that's really yeah. how they stuck, they stuck you into it, because you're like, yeah. this is ridiculous, but I kind of want to know if these are going to, like, stay together. <laughs> yeah, Plus, it's so a ridiculous. It's cheaper to produce yeah. that than it is. Of course it is. Write something. <laughs> yeah, of course it is, because it's a real life situation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but. Um, so yeah, so as we was talking about Next Generation, so um, I've got a fun game we'll play later as well, because I played this Ooh. with the Engage podcast guys, because um, that would be fun, a little Star Trek later thing. But um, so, did you, do you agree then with the premise of Next Generation? Because obviously I'm assuming that's like our next Star Trek series, because I'm guessing we're not far off in age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you think like the best of both worlds was like the beginning of them really finding their stride? Yes, I think I probably do. I think there was a marked improvement from season three, the start of. Yeah. But yeah, it culminated definitely, I think, at its peak with that cliffhanger. And I, 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 I was lucky enough that I lived where I was living at the time. It seems like I moved around quite a lot as a kid. But where I was living in Britain, because I was in Australia for some years as well. But when I was in Britain and we were living with, my whole family was living with my grandmother, and so we were kind of guests in a house for, I don't know, a year. And we could all watch Star Trek. That was because my nan always liked Star Trek. She, she still does. She's like 95 now. She still wow. enjoys Star Trek. But um, me, my dad, and my brother, and probably my nan too, we literally watched The Best of Both Worlds Part 1 as it was first broadcast in the UK on BBC Two. Yes. Um, and literally had to wait the 
however many months it was, six weeks yeah. probably. Or, well, no, I don't know how long it was, actually, because we, we got it delayed from the state. So who knows how long it was. But I was a kid, and it felt like eternity. And we were... I was genuinely caught up in that, for real. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, where was where were you when Kennedy was shot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's maybe not quite as important, but, you know... I remember where I was when they actually first met <laughs> both worlds, at well, least in my country. The first ever cliffhanger to in Star Trek, I think, wasn't it? The first ever cliffhanger uh, where... I'm yeah, sure somebody was, mentioned yeah. that to me. Um, well, I guess it was, because it wasn't the first two-parter, because the original no, series yes. had a two-parter. But, but ending on a part one. But ending on a part yeah. one is what I, I guess I mean. Because I'm sure yeah, that the yeah. Engaged podcast guys brought that up as the... The first time. Do you know the whole? Back, I mean, were you referencing when we were first talking about Next Generation? Did you watch the William Shatner thing about season one? Did you watch the uh, documentary Chaos on the bridge? Yes, yes, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, like, yeah, very interesting because yeah, they, 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 you know during all the books and stuff that I've owned since I was a kid. Yeah, they all they all paint it just as you know completely rose tinted the whole time because obviously they're official books being put out to yes, market of course yeah. Yeah, so there's no dirt in any of those yeah, yeah exactly yeah. No, those books yeah. I hated that prick yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, you know page one um, <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of nice somewhat after the fact when you know it's kind of things can be said now to, yeah. to get into the weeds a bit on that and see a little bit more about you know what what was going on there and how how interesting it was. Because um, I, 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 I don't know whether you thought this, but I changed quite a few views, because uh, just to fill in the audience if they don't know what we're referring to, it's on ne- I believe it's on Netflix, I might be wrong, mm. but um, uh, William Shatner, because he did The Captains, did a, uh, The Captains where he got all the captains of Star Trek and interviewed them, which is another good documentary if you haven't seen it. And uh, yeah, they did, a, they did a, a special called Chaos on the Bridge, which is what Gary just mentioned, where they do a, basically a documentary about the first season series of next gen as in how it started and what all happened behind the scenes right and wise and whatnot and it's fascinating because like a lot of people resented gene or didn't like him or found, and then this sec- his lawyer or something became like a the, the like powered guy who just was like thought he was the bees knees and tra- everybody horribly and um I, I but some of the people i really sort of thought were a bit like sort of difficult to like or whatever i ended up liking more sometimes in this episode like um, Brandon Braga I always thought was a bit weird and then I loved when he went they asked him about writing under Gene's like like there's no conflict because it's all meant to be family orientated and you had all these writers going I really hated they made this decision and then Brandon Braga guns well I I'm a writer I'll work around it <laughs> yeah. it was a little bit egotistical but I quite liked that answer I was like yeah. I liked the constraints of going well how do we make conflict out of yeah. Who well, for us, he was very young, yeah. so I guess he had yeah. the arrogance of youth. Yeah, but maybe. You know, he's yeah. like, hell, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. Whereas I think some of the o- older people were a bit longer in the two yeah. who were brought on as, as writers. Well, this isn't how you write. Yeah. So <laughs> that injection of fresh fresh blood, because uh, yeah. he must have been very young. Yeah, because um, he ended up obviously running a lot of the shows after that. So Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, I just thought that was an interesting comment. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah it was, it's a really good uh, documentary that shows all the turmoil they went through. And also just finding out that, like, they weren't sure it was ever going to go past, like, season one at one point. And yeah. it's, it's so interesting. But, um, and great animation as well. I yeah. Mean, good style, because obviously there's yeah, no yeah. footage of all, you know, how do you make a movie, you know. So they they have this very kind of well-done animation. Yeah, like a Sin City type thing. It was like a graphic novel yeah. or something. Yeah, I, it's I, quite I a good idea. I can't remember it. I just remember yeah. that it was good. I think it's kind of like flat 2D animation, but in 3D yeah. depth. That's right, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really good with like speech bubbles and everything, and it looked, it looked it, good. Yeah. yeah, it looked good. Um, yeah, I really thought like, yeah, as you said, because they're not going to have like you know hidden. If, if it was done now, it'd be like right behind the scenes, season one. He has all the hidden cameras we put in the corners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of them shouting in the writing room. Yeah. Um, anyway, but um, but yeah. So um, so it was next gener- uh, like so I'm curious. Like, did it? Did you ever go back to? The original, se- what like? Did you go back to the original series after Next Gen, or was it parallel or something? Because um, I'm parallel, a few, really, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. yeah it would come on, and you know, they'd they'd stick uh, an original series episode on after or before or whatever. So I just yeah, yeah. Because now you do kind of I've yeah. always liked 60s stuff for yeah. some reason. Like um. I, I mentioned a, a moment ago I used to live in Australia a bit when I was a kid and, oh. and the TV was a little different out there so they would put <laughs> a lot more old reruns of things on All right. that a lot of my friends who were always in the UK never really saw so um, even though they maybe did have it in the UK it wasn't as easy to come across they just yeah it was just different TV out there so things like The Man From U.N.C.L.E. and The Time Tunnel and all those Irwin Allen things oh. I used to watch them a lot as oh, well okay. um, yeah. And and still enjoy them. I've got the Time Tunnel box set, and I watched that recently. It's still great. I mean, I love the old '60s stuff. I don't really watch much, uh, uh, with the exception of Star Trek, which um, I do still watch a lot. Um, I, I mostly watch kind of older shows, not necessarily yeah. sci-fi either. Like um, I like I like watching the A Team and the Deep <laughs> Hazard. That's um, cool. Yeah. yeah, you know, my girlfriend and I, we're just quite happy with that. I mean, we're actually we've got the box set of I Dream of Genie. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's pretty cool. Is this is great. You just, I mean... I think like, diversity is fun. Like, I mean, like, I mean, we talk, I mean, I often say, like, the word geek in, you know, Geek Apocalypse podcast is that we would define this all the time. Like, it's it's weird, the questions I ever get asked is usually it's like, it, do you mean, like, as in geeks taking over the world, that kind of apocalypse? I'm going, no. I just always go, it's a cool sounding name. And uh, and I use geek in terms of, like, and I, I, I remember I was on BBC Radio once, because they were ch- trying to change the name of geek. Because I don't know if you write, if you if you read in the Oxford Dictionary, they might have changed it now because this was a while ago. But it used to just mean a fashionably a fashionab- a fashionably inept and socially awkward person. That was what. Have you got a dictionary okay. there? Are they changed I have it? Got a dictionary. <laughs> Let's see if they've changed it. Because yeah, I was on BB- I was on BBC Radio, and that was what the official definition was. And there was a campaign to I change think you it. Got it. Yeah. yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah. Geek. Informal, a person who is unfashionable or awkward in the company of other people. Yeah, there you go. Or a person who is obsessed with something. Ah, so they must have added an or, because that's the, yeah. the first one was the original one that I got asked. And the example they give is a computer geek. <laughs> <laughs> with glasses. <laughs> so that's so, uh, yeah, stereotypical. But anyway, the reason I bring this up, that was kind of a, uh, that was, I swear that was not, yeah, you showed, not the, you showed me the Oxford Dictionary. That was not, that was not planned. That was all spontaneous. Typical, like, oh, yeah, it, it's got bigger, as uh, I remember. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, um, I just said, like, what I love about doing this show is I have a wide diverse of guests on, so it's not just Star Trek heavy, because I, I'm insanely curious, so, like, I'm totally on board with you doing the variety stuff, because, um, you know, like, my, my girlfriend took, when I went to see The Greatest Showman, and, like, I can't stop singing that music at the moment in time, because I think it's great, and I, I was a fan of P.T. Barnum, which I'm assuming you said about magic earlier, that you were a magic fan, I'm sure 
BT Barnum must have some sort of resonance to you. Um, uh, interesting character to say the least. But um, but anyway, so yeah, the, 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 I'm so with you on on board with diversity. I think that's just what makes it interesting, isn't it? And I imagine to paraphrase that to filmmaking, um, like what was the first inclination for you that like you wanted to do that as a? I mean, is this like your main career? Would you say? Um, I don't get paid to make films so yeah <laughs> but i mean it's certainly like a it certainly ta- it must take a great deal of time though that's, that's oh that's, sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah um, a lot of time i mean I, i've always made i've always been a bit i don't really you say a creative person it conjures up uh, in my mind an image which isn't accurate to me at okay. least i don't think but i have always been creative i've always made things or or built things or like whether it's models or or, or whatever, um, you know, I've always, um, if a couple of weeks go past and I've not made something, whether it's with physical with my hands or something on a computer or yeah. or a film or, or something, then I get a bit restless. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll keep m- making something, and film is one of the main uh, channels. So there was a few years ago, I, I, music kind of, I did a bit more music okay. a few years ago, where I was in a band with some friends and... But Thanks. through it all, there's always been movies, and I, I think I'll always come back to some sort of filmmaking, whether it's little music videos or mm-hmm. just little visual effects tests and experiments, or, or proper films like yeah. Chance Encounter and The Holy Core. Yeah, yeah, which I'm sure we'll get, we'll definitely talk about. Um, it, I just because I don't need because um, we'll get on to talk about that now. But what I wanted to, I was just asking you because I remember reading on your website about you being a couple of um, done a couple of films like special effects techniciany type stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I was just curious to know because, like, I guess what I'm trying to do, just because it's probably, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be as interesting as it is for me to talk about for the listeners, is that, um, like, just finding out, like, what did you uh, did you go to like university and like, what did you end up doing? Um, uh, yes, um, no, no university for me, I'm afraid. Um, okay. I, I, well, I was making films. Um, I, I right. go to the uh, what do they call it, sixth form. Yeah, um, after, like college. Yeah. After secondary school, I went into yeah. college sixth form stuff, yeah. and uh, but I wasn't really getting on with it. And uh, yeah. my mum died at that point as well, oh, right. so I just kind of I'd had enough of stuff. So I was just making films at home. So I was supposed to be going to these. What, what did I do? I did A level geography, but I never finished it. <laughs> um, and I, I just wasn't. I didn't care by that point, and okay. I was sort of bunking off sixth form and just making <laughs> movies at, at the house on my own uh, often because everybody else was actually getting some sort of education. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, um, that's 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 a great example of showing that it's definitely been in you for that long, though. Yeah, um, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, and so, so all through school, I'd made films, and then you know, I just like just continued to do it when everybody yeah. else was sort of starting on their A levels, and yeah. I guess eventually going to university I just cracked on doing what I was doing and then um, just uh, kind of fell into uh, my aunt kind of knew some friends of mine who are still good friends of mine today who are a bit older than me mm-hmm. um, and they were in sort of corporate video world and they needed like student dudes to come and like help at this trade show that they still do every year in Amsterdam the IBC um, there's the NAB in Vegas as well there's sort of similar things yeah um and they, you know, they're, so they were all geared up to go and like look around the the art colleges or whatever they have, and and just find some like dopey student dudes to go to Amsterdam for the week to help on the trade stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they couldn't really, you know, it was just one list, one thing on the list of things to go and do, find some students to help. And my aunt just said, oh well, you know, my my nephew does all that, and she just happens to have a tape on hand, a VHS tape, kids, of my film. <laughs> 
and uh, and they stuck it on, and they they looked at it and went, oh well, yeah, that's he seems like he knows what he's doing, cool, and it's so just hunting around, yeah, bring him along, and they're both great friends of mine, Jeremy and Russell, and I still see them uh, a lot, especially Russell because he lives very near me, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and then so then I was working, um, and and then just continued to work. I still work to today as a freelancer, um, in mostly corporate stuff. But yeah. you're right on on our website. It was um, when I was uh, starting off, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and when, when I was like nineteen, twenty, um, something like that. I guess I would have been. I worked on two movies that were the um, the James Bond film, Pierce Brosnan's last one, Die Another yeah. Day, mm-hmm. and also uh, Oliver Stone's flop, Alexander. Yes. Yeah, I was on both uh, of those. Uh, that was I've, quite fun. I've yeah. seen both of them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I I read that and went, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So how did you um were, were you involved in making the calm invisible? Um, <laughs> not really, but I did go into that set. They built that underground tube station set, oh, right. and I went there on a few days. And and they were idiots actually because that was a motion <laughs> control shot, obviously. So like they do. They have the tunnel empty, okay. and then they have the tunnel with the car in, and the camera does the same move, yes. and they mix them together. Right? Yes. So, but, but <laughs> for, I can't quite remember now, but they basically filmed it in the wrong order. Or so, so they had to, like, they filmed one pass, and then they needed to, to either put the car in or take the car out, and they hadn't sort of thought ahead, and they had to move the whole camera rig, which kind of defeats oh, the purpose yes. of doing yeah, a motion control oh. so oh. that they can get, put the car where it needs to be and put all the camera buttons. Like, yeah. You're lucky that worked because, you know, you, you've moved the camera, which yeah. helps that you don't. Yes. Um, the computer's supposed to control the camera. Yeah, not, yeah. Just, not just some... It's you supposed know, to stay still. Some really good yeah, motion yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's so I was there on that day. <laughs> I, was, I was in that set and they had... Because that was the movie. It was... I forget what it was. It been now. was like... Was it the 20th Bond movie? There was some anniversary to do with that film anyway. Yeah, it might it have a been, big yeah. one. And so they, they did what they could through that film to put little Easter eggs in about the whole franchise. And one of them was Q's lab, which I also went into that set. It was part of the yeah. same one, if, if memory serves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, right. yeah. and so they had all like I think a lot of them were recreations, but some might have been the original props from like all the film franchise yeah. prior. Um, okay. So that was cool. And Brosnan was actually just hanging around in there at one point, just sort of waiting. And I sort of gave him a little, all right. <laughs> <laughs> did he know your name? That's the most important. He certainly did. It's nice that he said he like acknowledged. Yeah, um, <laughs> he acknowledged by turning away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. There's a person yeah, other than nice no, no, yeah, yeah. I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming, He seems like um, I've seen a fair amount. Um, I like him in interviews. He's got quite a nice sense of humour, for what I can see. So, um, yeah, you know. And uh, I thought he was a very, like I, I know there's a very, do you, I, I found it to be a particularly good Bond. Um, yeah, I yeah. thought he was pretty good actually, yeah. especially Goldeneye. I think that was yeah. the best one, and yes. then they sort of progressively worsened. Yeah, yeah. Years. The world was the. I, I didn't mind the world is not enough. That wasn't too bad. But yeah, there was a couple of weird ones. I remember my uh, my uh, one of my teachers. He was a very cool teacher called Mr. Whitaker, and he he pointed out that the acronym for the world is not enough is Twine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always stuck in my mind. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, like, uh, the reason I asked you about all the courage stuff—it's a good segue to talk about what you, you know, obviously the the thing you want people to see—is um, mm. um, like, did you? At what point? With all the experience of like, because it's a good segue because we talked about the films you've worked on, and you know, you said you did film stuff at college. Like, what led you to think I like Star Trek? 
I've got loads of interest in films and I've got a bit of experience working in, you know, big motion pictures. Um, what I'm going to make a Star Trek fan film. Like, when did that thought cross your mind? Um, yeah, well, my friend Paul, who is like, um, we've been friends for a good few years now, at least 10 years, probably more than that. And, um, and he's a writer primarily. And uh, we've joined forces a long time ago and made films um, and they got progressively more complex and uh, ambitious um, and and we just on average we seem to make one like once every two years or 18 months or so and so we were on schedule to do another one a sort of just coincidental schedule and um, I'd had this idea about uh, pairing like an old or yeah like an old man basically or an yeah. older man certainly with like a, a hot young woman Mm-hmm. Because, but but not go down some sinister route. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh there because I can see yeah. what I, I can see you trying exactly. to to explain that without. Uh, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's something. It's I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but I think it's it's pretty clear that nine times out of ten, or perhaps higher, if you have that combo of people together, it's the thing people say is still bad. Yeah, happen, yeah, right? yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and I thought that was a shame, and I thought it'd be nice to show you know a man in a good light mm-hmm. and really doing something good and just noble and just being a real good stand-up bloke. You yeah. Know? And uh, but but maybe play with the audience's expectations because it's such yeah. a loaded scenario that yeah. you kind of have to think something bad's going to happen, right? Um, but 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 we didn't want it to just be oh you get to the end of this thing and oh nothing happened great. That yeah. Was, we wanted it to redeem itself and really make you th- sort of think, man, I, I, I thought something bad was going to happen and I shouldn't have done. You know. Yeah, well, actually, I, I was just going to say, and I'm not just saying this because you're on here, because if anyone, as I mentioned at the start, we've done like a hundred and however many of these. Fifty odd. Um, yeah, fifty odd. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I always be honest on this and like. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I, I've watched it a couple of times. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, and yeah, I, I, what I will say, because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched Chancing, because we're referring to Chance Encounter, which was, would it, b- b- before we, like, delve into that a little bit, like, was that a, because the one thing I didn't check is, um, was that a Kickstarter first as well, or did it you was, just make it? Yeah. yeah, okay. It was. So what did you ask for for that, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I can't remember, but it was, a, I think, actually, I think it was £1,700. Wow. So just, just shy of two grand, basically. Wow, so I'm impressed for that. Because, uh, I mean, we'll get, we'll get on to the Kickstarter in a second, but right. um, but um, I was, I, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by how little amount that is. As someone who's worked on production stuff, um, you did a lot with that amount of money, so that's a really good job. Um, yeah, and you. what you're asking now is... Like very very, uh, I'm just saying this for the benefit of someone who's worked on. I've worked on a few BBC things before, right. and like I know how much stuff costs, and yeah. like um, that's nothing. Like you know, uh, you know, considering now, you know, people know this already, but like it's a couple of million dollars an episode to make like Big Bang Theory, for example. Wow. <laughs> kind of puts it into perspective when you're asking for less than <laughs> ten grand, like you know, um, to do a twenty minute um short or uh, a short yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so it's even longer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Because I remember, like, um, there was a web series I I shot a pilot of, 
and I tried to work out how little to do it for, and I'm going like, I guess we can do it for this, and everyone's like, are you going to, like, starve people? Because I went, well, I want to get it made, so, um, you know, so you can, like, cut corners as much as you can, but um, realistically, you'd want twice that budget, but you go, well, I want to get it made, so. Um, And the fact, as you mentioned earlier, it's a fan-made thing, because I'm interested to ask you about um, CBS, because we've had people from Star Trek on before about like their policy about fan made stuff so I, I'm interested to ask you that personally as someone who's done stuff but we'll get onto that in a second but um so so a chance encounter because let's stick with that and we'll do it like in chronological order is mm-hmm. um um so like how different I mean, this is a very broad broad thing to ask but feel free to answer it any way you want but um like so how difficult a process is that to do because obviously sitting down there and going i'm going to make a fan thing it's going to be set in the next generation universe which is obviously cool because we talked about how much we like it um but how like where and where was it start did you shoot it around did you shoot it where you are based in oxford isn't it somewhere like that i did yeah, yeah. that's right yeah oxfordshire yeah yeah um, so that way you filmed it. it was like the forest scene and mm-hmm. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's right out the back of my house actually. All oh, right, <laughs> like, your, like opposite yeah. sides your house and like a <laughs> yeah, he just walked in. Yeah, <laughs> okay, cut. Good night, guys. <laughs> That'd have been funny. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that should be an outtake. You just going right, cut, then yeah. just get into a bed. <laughs> <laughs> you collapse into it. Yeah, yeah that would be. Sorry, just me. This is my strange sense of humour. But anyway, okay. um, but yeah. So, um, so how did you get like the actors involved as well? Like, did you do like a? I'm trying to think. The one I used was it the star something. Like, there's a web. Like, did you did oh, you do a casting now. call? Star now. Did you do is a that casting call? When you're call? thinking of star yeah. now. Yes. Did you do a casting call? Yeah, we did. We didn't. We didn't use Star Now. Um, okay. That's. I think. I mean, there's everybody on there, but I think that's more geared towards singers and dancers and stuff. Yeah, I think. Might be, um, yeah. We used um, Casting Call Pro, which oh, I yes. think has now been absorbed into Mandy. Dot yes. com has bought it. Oh, right. It's all yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. been consolidated into some big yeah, behemoth yeah. thing. Yeah, um, I've used a few of them. But so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, it was uh, at the time it was called Casting Call Pro still. Yeah. And um, I've, I have a video company, and so you know, I used the profile I've got on there as, mm-hmm. as, as it because it showed some legitimacy. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, a jo- you know, a job um, from a guy who joined one day ago. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't work well. We're looking for good-looking young women to come out. So especially when you just said the premise is we're going to have an old man yeah. and a really yeah. good-looking girl yeah. in a in forest the in yeah. on their own. Like what it, go wrong? Yeah. yeah. Is this a slasher movie? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, just use like proper casting tools, websites, services, and all that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just did it all, you know, quite straight and properly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So that was all quite straightforward, really, because there's yeah. such a wealth of good actors and actresses out there that um, you, it, as long as you're willing. I mean, I think, uh, you know, not to. I think one of the common errors or faults with fan films is that it's it's more about and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's more about a group of Star Trek friends, fan friends or whatever, you know, a group of friends who are fans want to make a film. And that's cool, man. Yeah. Do it. Um, yeah, yeah. But in terms of, it does it have a particularly broad appeal to people who aren't your friends and who don't know you? Yeah. Probably not. And that's, that's you know, if, if, you, if you're having fun making something, then have fun making it. Yeah, yeah. But, but we wanted to try and appeal to an audience yeah. as, a, as a legitimate film 
that people could watch and not just be like, oh, God, it's just a bunch of friends sticking around. Yeah, and, and I, I, what I would say from watching Chance Encounter, because for, for those that are interested, it's obviously like you can find it on YouTube and on their website, you know, uh, which I, I'll mention in the introduction. So, um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, so if you watch it, um, that actually is something I, I thought... Like, you just reaffirmed that to me, because when I watched it, I understood that you did that, because I was watching it going, hmm, this is an interesting fan film, because it's not that, like, heavy with Star Trek detail, like, mm. as in, like, and I, and I was curious, so you've, like, kind of answered my curiosity in that sense, because it did come across as, like, you, that was a conscious choice. Um, to, to because I, I was sitting there going, oh yeah, you don't really need to know a lot about like the sort of the universal, um, like you know, and there's no like Star Trek law in it, I guess, really, if that makes right. sense. But um, yeah, um, so yeah, I, I can see what you meant by that because you're right. I, the word that comes to mind when you said about other fan films, I've certainly seen in Star Trek. It's quite freaky because fan films. I've probably seen a lot more fan films in Star Trek universe than any other like industry, right. any, any other thing because there's a lot out there as people know mm. and yeah it, the word that comes to mind what you were describing was niche they're very niche as in like yeah. you kind of have to know your stuff to kind of get what's going on um, yeah. so yeah I, I completely agree with you in terms of what you did like it may, it makes sense to do it that way yeah, um, and if I was doing it kind of um, sort of draws a line under under that yeah is something that um, uh, I was speaking to somebody a while back and I said the Star Trek film Chance Encounter that I've done and they kind of ran through the list of um, things you'd assume would be in a Star Trek film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were like, oh, so you've got like warp drives. Like, nope. Oh, you've got transporters. Have you? Like, nope. Oh, you've got phasers firing. Have you? No. Nope. Oh, you've got photon torpedoes. Have you? No. Nope. Oh, you've got aliens in it. Have you? <laughs> no. Nope. It's like this massively long list of like every <laughs> Star Trek kind of prerequisite. And I'm like, nope, we don't have any of it. We don't have any of it. And yet, on YouTube, so many of the comments say, "Wow, this is this is the real Star Trek. Uh, this is really feels authentic and just just like an episode." Yeah, yeah. And yet it's lacking all those things that you would maybe if you were just going to brainstorm, you'd say, "Well, the we glitter, the glitter." Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> or the bridge. No, so yeah. it's shot on the bridge. Is that no? We don't have a bridge. Yeah. yeah. You know, so all the things that you'd think would be in a Star Trek film basically aren't and yet it's still people you know lots of people say wow it feels such so much like a sort of forgotten episode or a lost episode or something and i think that's that's power to the franchise and the format and that's why it's perhaps one of many reasons it's, it's endured and has spun off so many franchises you know yeah. separate series and stuff is because you can do so much with it and you don't have to rely on the tropes and stuff yeah and because we we wanted to just make our film and we weren't just a, a bunch of Star Trek guys who wanted to fire the phasers. That's not what we were. <laughs> so, you know, we, we started with a story and an, we started with, with an idea which then became a story which then became a Star Trek thing. So, yeah. you know, and so so many of those things, those elements you think you might have to have are absent. Yeah. You know? I was I was nodding it for that, that whole thing because you reminded me of like, well, well Will, Will Wheaton talked about um, the like you got asked in a convention once about the endurance of Star Trek, like you were just describing, and yeah, it it it's because um, for whatever reason, a lot of Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry obviously is the instigator of this, is that it was based on the story and like the social like the social conflict that was happening at the time that the show was on is what made it authentic and made people care about it. The sci-fi is the glitter around it that makes it what it is, but it mm. doesn't make it like the core essential thing of why people 
care about it being made. Um, and and yeah, that so the, your your fan films a good example of that because as you said, there's no like as I just joked the glitter the glittery thing of like having yeah, an action cool. sequence thing or a tra- yeah because a transport essentially is not to make Star Trek fans feel bad because transport is awesome. Let's not let's not kid around, but. Um, but basically, it is to get from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in a really roundabout way. It was yeah. like, I, I mean, because I make this joke all the time. I, I remember talking to the Engage podcast guys. They they weren't as bothered about it as I was, but I went, why have a transporter room when they can do site to site transporting? Yeah. Why? why? It's, a, it's an irrelevant. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because yeah. it kind of, if, if they didn't have the transporter room, it, how would it? It would just be magic. <laughs> well, I guess so because yeah, wouldn't be transporting. It, yeah. it does sometimes seem like it's like why do you bother with that? It's room? Device, it, well, um, what, what they said, which I thought was an interesting point, because they might be right, a way of getting them all in the same room to do the plot thing, like if they're going on a planet. Because how many times you see when they're on a planet where they do like the the briefing in the transporter room? So it was really like a meeting room with a purpose. Like, right. as in they were like, let's get together for an away mission and then sort it out and then go on the pad. Because then they yeah, went, oh, right. but it was for teams. But then I went, yeah, but then they go, um, when they're on a planet, they go four to beam up and then they go beam them directly to sit bay. So then why yeah. do they need to go to the transporter room and then walk somewhere? Just drop them off where they need to go? Like, yeah. oh, can I just go to my quarters? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, yeah. in the, in the in the canon, I think it, it basically, I think they get around it by saying it, it's it's very inefficient on the energy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. That's how they. Yeah, yeah, because it's like the way that the the the, the, the stuff inside the transporter room is probably yeah. like more efficient, as you say, and like it's supposed to be emergencies in there for site and site stuff. Yeah, so, so do it properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I just turn, I d- off, turn off the wall switch first. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's like using like a yeah, it's like using like a a bigger microwave or something. Just use the microwave that's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I just, it, I'm, I'm sure we can dissect like Star Trek things that don't make sense for quite some time. Really? But um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I agree with you in terms of your in terms of encounter i thought like um it was an interesting way of doing it really um um i mean like uh, this is uh, this is i guess just somebody who's as i say has made a couple of things is that how did you manage to do the cgi that's in it for such little money um <laughs> like yeah. i mean because uh, uh, the, 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 that that's just came off my head going hmm. for the time which you asked for did like i mean did you just Okay, yeah, how did you how did you do it? I guess I, I could I could guess, but I want you to answer it. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, no big mystery really. I just I did it myself. Okay, with my computer. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, <laughs> Moving on. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I should say though, uh, I I can't remember offhand, but if anybody is is interested, the names are in the credits mm-hmm. of people who made the CG models of the ships that we used. All oh, right, that's uh, cool. That. I'm not a I'm not a 3D modeler. I can yeah. sort of sort of I, I can do it a little, but I couldn't make a whole starship. So I found those online and credited the creators of those. And, and a friend nice. of mine, uh, David Combe, he um, he gave me a little bit of advice as well. Um, mm-hmm. And he's on the credits as well. But yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, computers are powerful, wonderful tools when they work. Yeah, yeah. So I guess using your experience to do that makes a great deal of sense, yeah. Um, but it was, ni- it was nice, as I said, it, it made sense to the plot, but it was like, you know, uh, as we were just describing, it wasn't like you were having like a Romulan, a Rom- <laughs> a Romulan warbird or something. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. you just poop in and just suddenly go, we're just going to shoot things. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, um, it, it made well, the sense. the fan so. favourite episodes are always the quiet ones. Yeah. 
I mean, you'd be along with top tens or whatever. It's always yeah. like the cards flute, the inner light, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. on the edge of forever. It's basically, you know, set in the 30s, so they didn't, you know, need any decent, like, they didn't need to spend any money on sets or anything, yeah. you know. Just, it's, it's all the quiet ones, the visitor, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's very, I mean, there's the exception, you know, best of both worlds or whatever. That's but a really nine times out of ten, it's a quiet character study piece. Yes. Yeah. And it could almost often be set anywhere in any time, like City on the Edge of Forever. It could have been set in the 50s or the 80s or the 1880s or whatever. So, um, you know, if you've not got much money to spend anyway, then you don't want to try and, you know, have the Romulans go to war with the Borg and team up with yeah. the Klingon Empire. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, how are you going to do that? Why don't you just have two people talking, which is basically what Star Trek is at its best anyway. Did you ever it's see... Fan favourites. Yeah, you know. exactly, yeah. Did you see the... Did you see the um, the novel that William Shatner wrote that was going to be after Generations? I I right. I'm so I'm not I'm not really into the novels. I must yeah. admit. Because but but I think I assumed it wasn't sarcasm. I did see on Reddit <laughs> once somebody basically put a synopsis of one of them up. <laughs> okay. So what? Could t- tell me what you've read, and I'll tell you if it's right. Because that's uh, the uh, one I, I one of the few I've actually seen. I've actually read. Yeah. Everything happened. Yes. The Borg came back from the yes. future with the Klingons to reanimate yes. Kirk and yeah, it was the Romul- it was with the Rom- it was with the Romulans and they made like him a like superhuman <laughs> Borg, um, and they Q took- in the past yes. with Harry Mudd. Yeah, so, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like he crowbarred in every cool idea and went, and I'm at the centre of it. Um, because the- all I need is an author to type it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 decent. But um, the reason that the, the reason that I bring it up is because um, it's funny you say that because um, I never I never looked at it that way. But if I thought of like some of my favorite episodes, and if we included every Star Trek that's ever existed, because mm. um, as I talk to Gary, people who listen to this know that I'm my favorite Voyager. Um, yeah, I would say a lot of the the ones that I actually really really like are a lot of the time just the ones where they're clearly saving a bit of money and doing a scene where all of them are in like people's quarters or the bridge or the yeah. sick bay where they don't actually ever go anywhere it's just them, the crew interacting with each other and I like them a lot the first one that comes to mind is Scientific Method which was the, okay. the Voyager episode where they're all being the aliens that there's an ali- that's invisible aliens doing yeah. experiments Jane on Ray's them got all this yeah. yes because um, yeah. I just love it where she gets completely pissed off yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she's yeah. all like remind me to think of that door come on like, yeah. and, um, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, she yeah. just snaps at the end and uh, yeah, well, yeah. And, and another great one for that in terms, you know, uh, controversial episode in some ways, but two Vicks. I mean, one guest star Ooh. and yeah. a bottle show, basically. Oh, right. Can you remind me what one that is? That's not. That's the one where Neelix and Tuvok become one. Oh, thing. yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I thought that. that yeah. makes sense. And that's yes. like, that's, that's one of these episodes where it's so contentious because it's, it's such a moral grey area what yeah. the solution is or, or isn't or what, what was the right thing to do or not. And so it's... And yeah, it's all basically just on the, you know, I think it's a bottle show. There's maybe like a scene on the planet at the start, you know, some little tiny corner with a few bushes in it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then it's just all on the ship Filler. with one guest star. Yeah. And it's one of the most memorable kind of powerful episodes. And, and A friend of mine. People in rooms talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a, did you, the, my friend of mine gave me as a birthday present, like an annual of one of the seasons of Next Generation. And right. there's one where, Jonathan Frakes talks about how they legitimately ran out of money. Um, and there's a. I, I wish I'd remember the name of the episode now because it would be way funnier. But there was an episode in Next Generation, I swear this is true, Jonathan Frakes has confirmed this actually did happen, where 
Um, it was a Riker episode, and and it was a filler episode of a bunch yeah, of like Isaac Ray. yeah, like yeah. where it was just loads of clips of past episodes. Yeah, 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 because they legitimately ran out of money because they miscalculated what they'd spent. Wow. And um, yeah. um, because they spent loads on the two-parter, and then suddenly realised they were one episode short, and then yeah, went, well what they the had hell to make a lot each year. I mean, like yeah. twenty. And that's why the twenty-four. The series was called twenty-four. Because yeah, yeah. The 24 episodes and, yeah, yeah. and sometimes more I mean sometimes yeah, yeah. Up to, like the time tunnel I mentioned before from earlier in the 60s mm-hmm. that has got like 35 episode season <laughs> they're all like 45 minute you know, I know yeah crazy. I mean it's wow insane. but I think also Shades of Grey the one you mentioned there it was the finale of season 2 in addition to running out of money I think they also were suffering through a writer's strike so oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole confluence of things yeah, yeah. Uh, you know colluded to make um, and also Shades of Grey the shit show that it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just ridiculous. Um, and um, he was just like, what do we do? We never have nothing. Um, but um, also, um, I, you know, I'm sure I'm not, I, I, I don't mean to sound like uh, patronising to people listening, but I'm sure people know. It's also the disadvantage of not doing things in order because you, they, they, they often like do stuff, the, the, the hard stuff first. And then, like, we'll work everything out after. <laughs> and then, and then right. suddenly, oh, no, um, we're, one di- we're one down. And as you said, yeah, yeah they had resource anyway. So, yeah, that, I mean, just for fun, and then we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about your, your current Kickstarter. Is, um, what, what, what's the worst Star Trek episode you've seen? Is that up there, or is there another one you can think of? Um, because I know the fact that they had a writer's strike and all that, I kind of cut it some slack. That's fair. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, whatever. I was watching the A-Team, and their finale to season two was a clip show as well. <laughs> it's like, season two, finale episode, clip show. It's just something that they did, so fine. Um, <laughs> it's something that you wouldn't get away with in modern TV, would you? Well... You imagine if the series finale of Game of Thrones was just <laughs> somebody a bit... Yeah, fever, just recounting <laughs> previous episodes from that year. Just someone in a, just someone in an armchair. Right, we're going to recap. We're, hello, everybody. We're going to recap right. what yeah. happened in the previous twelve episodes. Yeah. Enjoy, yeah, Sorry, I wanted right. to just say it. You know, instead of modernish times, I know we're, we're dating ourselves, right? But right. Um, did you ever watch Hercules? Um, I didn't. Is in the I one with Kevin Sorbo. It sort of came out just after Xena and yes. it's sort of sister or brother. Correct. Child, yeah. I guess. Yeah, well, I I watched, that was one of them things, it was like, often in the time it was on, like the most watched show in the world right. or something, because it was, it was one of these things that, good family thing, and it was a bit, you know, tongue-in-cheek type thing. Yeah. And I used to watch it when I was growing up, I guess, because it would have been probably, I'm guessing mid, like mid to late eight, mid, mid to late 90s, something yeah. like that maybe. Um, yeah. And I always thought, there was a period of time in Hercules, and I remembered this, and I found this out years later. This is all based on what we're talking about, so bear with me as I tell you the, the, the context. And so there was a season I remember in Hercules where I'm going, there's an awful lot of there's an awful lot of flashbacks in this season of him just like sitting on a tree, like an, on a on a on a tree bark going, I remember the time when me and you fought such and such and then it'll cut going and they were fighting and I went what the hell's going on? Have they, like, lost their minds? Like, he's not doing anything. Turns out Kevin Sorbo, a few years ago, wrote his biography, and he had a stroke in between the two seasons. Oh, and he couldn't actually do anything. So they made him do that first, the season after, when he was recovering. And he couldn't, he wasn't legally allowed to do any fighting anymore. Oh, so instead of, like, getting someone in to do most of the stuff, and they did do a little bit of stunt stuff, 
So a lot of the shows are just him literally like reminiscing on a tree with his partner. Because <laughs> he like when I couldn't get out of what I was doing and they were really like assholes to me. So they couldn't. Uh, and I was like, I was completely, he mentioned it in an interview and I went and he was talking about his book and I ended up buying the book because I was so like into like, that's so awful. Um, yeah. And and I ended up reading it because I'm I mean I've seen Hercules but anyway there's just an example of where I'm just pointing out that there are circumstances where you go fair enough like yeah, when I when yeah. I first watched it I was like this is a bit crap it went yeah. from being great to quite awful and then I now feel bad because I now know the context and realise he was really struggling yeah, well, at, um, least kept, <laughs> at least they kept him like yeah. Jason Hazard I think season five I think it is they they basically uh, Rob Schneider and uh, Tom Wopat they they there was some dispute over their fees so they said fine we'll just get two of your other cousins that basically wear the same shirts a blonde one and a dark haired one and you guys can go off on the NASCAR circuit or whatever off screen for a season and we'll put these other two guys in and they'll just drive around having exactly the same adventures oh wow Daisy and then and then came back after that season they said fine you can come back <laughs> cousins were never seen or heard from again. the Ashton <laughs> Kutcher approach and <laughs> um, yeah just just crowbar him into a sitcom that someone yeah. else did that's right um, they don't make TV like that y- yeah yeah anymore. I know that's very funny anyway so obviously because I want people to I mentioned this in the introduction as well so, so it's the last bit before I let you go sorry it went a bit over but um, it's oh, fine it's totally fine I like it no worries um, uh, but yeah so I mentioned at the beginning obviously and encourage people to go to your Kickstarter but let's talk in depth now about like so you wanted to do you obviously chancing so did you chance encounter on a whole like how did it get received um really well thankfully mm-hmm. um yeah i mean it seems to seems to just get a really warm positive reception from people i mean yeah. you know some people have legitimate i think criticisms of it which you know is great to, to you know i mean it really is you know i wouldn't want to just some think it was fake if everything was just glowing praise for it um but yeah it's you know nine out of ten comments are really positive and and good and the ones that that are a bit critical i think it's like a valid criticism so yeah i mean i i have yeah what was the criticism can i ask you that um some people say that they feel the uh i wouldn't really describe it as a twist a plot twist because it's not like a trying to aha gotcha moment yeah um but people say oh i kind of see the i kind of think i knew where it was going from quite early on and in an ideal world, I'd rather that it wasn't maybe as as self-revelatory okay. as it is. Yeah. But it doesn't particularly bother me. It's, it's not like oh, I knew it, I knew who Tyler Durden was from from the start of the film. That would kind of ruin it. Yeah. I think it's the kind of story where you can enjoy it whether you've guessed it or not. I think it's valid both. It doesn't undermine the story. Yeah. In, in, in some ways, in some ways, it's more enjoyable. If, yeah. if you are ahead of it, it it's, a, it's because it's such a sort of soft, gentle, warm story. It, that was a nice, that, I, I'm well impressed that you managed to avoid what actually happened in it to ruin it for people who haven't seen it. <laughs> you did a really good job there, not revealing the end. But like, yeah, but it's funny because I was going to say there's I was I was going to say a really good twist. But then uh, earlier on, but then I actually didn't say that because I stopped myself because I'm I'm actually in agreement with you. I actually don't really want to say the word twist in that sense because it's right. more like a build up to, um, and it's like a kind of um, awe moment as in, oh that's cool. Because as you yeah. said, I think like it did feel like I'm going, what's going to happen? This is going to be something quite, um, quite 
uneasy or something, whatever the right word is, without revealing what happens. But yeah, and um, um so I'm, I, I understand that. But again, um, I like the way you phrase that because. Um, you can't please everybody, and like people have their own tastes and whatnot. So you're gonna get people who're gonna go, oh well, I thought coming because they like the whole. Uh, people like to have the whole. See, I knew, I knew, guys. I just knew that was gonna happen. See, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. Like, I just knew it. I just knew it, guys. There's no point in going to see it now. Like, I, I, I love when you have conversations with people who go, well, I want to go and see like Black Panther, but I know what happens in it, so I, I know it's right. gonna end like that. So let's just let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, why don't yeah. you just go and enjoy enjoy it then? You know yeah. it anyway. Like people go and see the Titanic, they know what happens in it, but yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very weird. But anyway. it's, it's just a journey, man. It's, yeah, it's just a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. It's like when people spoil series. I'm still gonna watch it. Like you yeah. know, people go, yeah, we go, oh, Game of Thrones ended. Uh, yeah, of course. Or like Breaking Bad. Okay, I watched it later than everybody else, but I'm still gonna finish it. Like yeah. you know, well, you'd, you'd never watch anything a second time if it was that important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think sometimes watching stuff a second time can be better if it's complicated yeah. enough. I mean, yeah. Sometimes things are like a warm, warm, comforting blanket. Yeah, yeah. You, you, some films you just can watch over and over again no, yeah I did that I, I did that with Red Dwarf a few times because like when I first watched it I was really young and I just used to laugh at being at Crichton looking weird right um, Actually, uh, you, yeah. you've mentioned Red Dwarf a couple of times yeah. I, should, I should take the opportunity to drop my little tidbit of okay. Red Dwarf uh, knowledge in okay. there Go ahead. Uh, I also mentioned earlier that I well I still technically am in a band but we just don't really do anything anymore but okay. um, the mu- one of the tracks from my band is in a Red Dwarf episode. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It, um, it's, it's the Like episode. a recent one, or like, was it? Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, okay. not one of the original ones. <laughs> not <laughs> not, not three cooler. season six or whatever it was. Yeah. Where they were, they were, well, you said the last few years you had a band, so that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it's, it, I, the first re, well, reboot, whatever, reboot, when it went on Dave, and they did Back to Earth, um, Coronation Street. Yeah. Well, that was Back to Earth, which was technically season nine. Uh, everyone's referring it to, to be season nine, but, right. but it was the special, because in the right. special he says that season nine happened already, so oh, okay. um, it, it happened during the break with season nine, right. so people just then went, that's ridiculous, and I'm in, I'm in agreement with that, for any Red right. Wolf fans, I apologise, but I re- I, most people probably agree with me. It was a really, it was a very strangely done special. I, I have a lot. I really didn't like it. Um, I, I like it more if you watch it all the way through. But when I watched it, went with Dave with the breaks. It was right. just, it was really frustrating. Um, yeah. But anywho, um, yeah. So technically, that was season nine because it ended at series eight. Then the special came out, and they said right. in the special that series nine happened in between. So what right. fans did who were annoyed with the special went, well, that was season nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. when season ten came out, they went, okay, we'll start from ten. So um, when the so the 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 six episode series when it restarted was series ten. Okay. <laughs> just right. to be clear, yeah, it's yeah. simple for everyone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why they had, and also as well, they can advertise it with the X. It kind of looks cooler. Kind of yeah. looks cooler yeah. in Roman numerals. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, no, so that little scene where they get in car bug and do their little montage. Ah, yeah. I, guess, I think they drive up Coronation Street. Yeah, yeah. Do 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 Like, oh, I can't. Do, 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 do. Yeah, oh, I'm getting confused with our other song because our, our song sounds. Is it when the Starbug is Starbug is driving along and they're all yeah. in it and it so has the whole little little jam guitar type? Yeah, that's right. I remember it. Oh, yeah, cool. I'm doing the scratching. Yeah, yeah. That. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And so I went to the rap party for that oh, that's episode. Cool. It was in London, and oh, I nice. met Danny John Jules and and uh, Craig Charles phoned phoned uh, 
Halloween over from Coronation Street because he was working. <laughs> it was a bizarre evening. But that's yeah. nice. Yeah, I, yeah I'm a really little factoid for you. That's there. really cool because um, people who have been regular listeners to this, I've had most of them on. Um, so I'm a huge oh, really? Red Dwarf Sweet. fan. Yeah, yeah, I've met. Um, I'm, I, I, I've, I've interviewed Robert more than anybody. I think I've probably interviewed Robert about three or four times, and he's Sweet. he's really nice. Uh, I met Danny at MCM last year. Like, no, no, I. Um, and I and I went to Red Dwarf convention when the, when it came back, and I got to talk to most of them, um, including like Holly and all, uh, including like Hattie Heeridge and a bunch of other people. Right. So, um, so I'm re- like Red Dwarf have been really nice to me. I, I also yeah. um I also met um uh, I've also talked to Richard Neela, who's Doug Neela's son, because he worked right. as a producer on on it. So. Um, yeah, so I, I'm 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 grateful for Red Dwarf because it's the my earliest memory of watching it with my family, right. um, which is why I reference it quite often when I do this show, is because it means a lot to me because it was the yeah. only it was the only show that our family watched that we all thought was funny. Right. Like so, my I I make the joke. I'll make it for your I'll make the joke for your benefit. But like my sister would stop screaming Soundgarden tracks in our bedroom my brother would stop crying over another girl who rejected him uh, and my mom and dad would stop arguing with each other <laughs> and what did you <laughs> and, stop doing uh, and I would well I would have been three or something when I okay. the, the, the first series I remember stop so I, I, I would have yeah I would have stopped going I would have stopped being mental or something I don't quite know stopped seething or yeah, whatever yeah yeah whatever yeah and I just sat there and I remember I remember the first thing I ever remember saying to my dad that I remember was I said why's that guy got a funny head right and I remember saying that and it was quite because I just used every time he came on I would burst into giggles I thought it was, right. he looked funny <laughs> he looked funny and then obviously when I watch it back as an adult I go oh that's what that joke means because I couldn't right. I love the stuff you don't get it because it's like they make Little, little, little uh, implied jokes for the yeah, for sure. the adults. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so in terms of the holy core, because obviously we've talked about chance encounter, and mm-hmm. I encourage people to listen to you to watch it on YouTube. Sorry, um, but yeah, so in terms of the holy core, because obviously you've got a Kickstarter running, which I'll, I'll I'll mention at the end. But um, so could you tell me the premise of holy core then? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the holy core is um, it's a Star Trek film set in the next generation era uh, with all new characters, all new cast, a new ship and all that. Um, but very much in the sort of spirit that we've been having our conversation in, it's not about, you know, what's the ship and what's the registry number and, and how many phaser banks and all that stuff. <laughs> it's the, the premise of the film, it's a half-hour film, is that this ship, which we've called the Vigilance, um, it's, it's similar to Picard's Enterprise, essentially. Okay. Uh, it's a Nebula-class ship, and it's it's in orbit of this planet called Vita Two, and it's there to help the Vitans uh, repair their world because the Vitans have been having a war for the last couple of centuries, okay. and they've been fighting over different interpretations of a religion on their world, Ooh. and that's decimated their planet and ruined their atmosphere, amongst other things. And in the last decade or so, they've kind of found a peace with each other and are rebuilding their planet and their world. And they have this uh, plan to clean their atmosphere, but they need Federation assistance with that. Mm-hmm. And that's our launching off point. That's sort of all the first, you know, three, four minutes of the film is establishing all what I've just said. Yes. So then we go about helping them um, with this plan. And 
this is where I have to start getting a bit vaguer about okay. what happened. Of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand. And, and then me, shit happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a big explosion. Very entertained. And, and then we try and put as many people through some buildings as possible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and then... Um, and then the T-1000 turns up, and <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great. It's, it's, yeah. But he's 50 foot tall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then a big giant robot that makes no fucking sense turns up, and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I mean, the, the, some of the, some of the, you know, the, this is where it's appropriate to swear, but some of the shit I've seen on Kickstarter that gets their, that gets their money, um, um, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if what we just said is reality. Um, yeah, we should have gone for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> big robot, blo- uh, like, yeah, we should, we should just do a Kickstarter where it's like, a big blow up, a big robot, shit happens. Fun does. Joke one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's like the, 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 I'm a big board game, card game guy, and okay. um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the game called Cards Against Humanity. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the guys who run that annoy the hell out of me, but I can see why they do it, because it, it's funny. But um, they often get people to do really dumb Kickstarters. And right. people just give them money to do random stuff. Like, there was one that they did for Kickstarter, and they just went, we want to make the biggest hole possible. And they got a crane in the middle of, like, the desert somewhere in America or something, and went, we're going to try and make a, the biggest hole we can with this crane. And right. just every time you give us, donate money, we'll put a hole in it. So, like, they, they, they generated, like, $500,000 or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> just people just constantly going, like, a crane that just, like, once the herd money went in, the crane went and the built it. It was so dumb. And they just did it to go, look what we can do, kind of thing. Yeah. They, they did all sorts of really random crap, but anyway. Um, and I'm just like, make another game, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want you to do. They're out of yeah. game ideas. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, well, Cards Against Humanity was definitely a niche game. You got bored. Of, I got bored of it really quickly. Yeah. Like once you know all the cards, it's not funny anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go. But anyway, but um, I'm just looking. Um, I'm, uh, I encourage people obviously to listen to this. Uh, if you go to Kickstarter, um, type in the Holy Court a Star Trek fan film, you will find, and I'll put a link in the description so you can click it that way. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, I'm really quite, um, quite excited by the whole like you've put some concept art on there, which is kind of cool. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, so this is a good segue because I wanted to ask you this because I'll, I'll try not keep you much longer. Is um, the the CBS like um, Paramount like limitations? Because this has come up a few times in people we've talked about with Star Trek stuff. So how how I know this is a very broad subject and I don't want you to get too much into the legal ramp like legal stuff. But like it, on the whole, how like. How like nice are they in terms of like intellectual property rights and all that kind of thing? I think um, I think there's a, a, a lot of different opinion on it, and it depends what kind of Star Trek film you want to make. Yeah, frankly, for what we're trying to do, they're not really giving us any hassle. Frankly, yeah, they're not they're not a big deal for us. We a lot of them are to do with you know you can't have actors that have been in Star Trek in real life well that's not a problem yeah. you can't raise more than 50 grand it's like okay <laughs> no problem uh, there's all sorts of things that just don't apply to us really in yeah. terms of um, you can't have ongoing series well that's fine we just want to do a one off I mean the only thing that is is we want to do 30 minutes and that might mean that we if we follow them dead down the line that might mean we release the film in two halves yeah, so it'd be like a two-parter of two bits. But you yeah. know, we'll con- the whole thing's been written and conceived of, and would be made as one piece. It'll just have a join in the middle. So fine. Um, so they're not a big 
issue for us, really. Um, they talk about you can't pay any actors. Well, we'll probably compensate actors a little bit. We do say it in our Kickstarter. We're like, look, we get the spirit of the guidelines, but at the same time, if we've raised better part of nine grand and then we don't expect to pay the actors to even like hold their diary open. Yeah. That's a little unfair. <laughs> right, really? That's a little unfair. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we've hired a camera and we've done all this. We've got all these locations and all these people and all these efforts here and it's cost us a few hundred or a few or maybe a grand for exactly. that day. Yeah, yeah. And then this guy's like, sorry, dude, but I've got a paying job, so bye. Well, that's not a responsible way to manage the money we've raised. Yeah. So we will, you know, travel expensive and a nominal fee to keep the date open and stuff. So, yeah, but, you know, we're very much within the spirit of the guidelines and, you know, we're, we're trying to raise, like, less than £9,000. So yeah, but that's, that, 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 yeah, that was why I went. When I first <laughs> read your Kickstarter this morning, I was going, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so little. I'm pleased to say it's doing quite well, considering how, I mean, it's it's doing relatively okay. It needs a bit more of a push, but I know, I know, though, because I've seen a lot of Kickstarters and helped them, uh, helps them doing this, that usually you'll get, like, a big, like, you get good the first few days, get quiet for a little bit, then it starts picking up, and then hopefully you'll get over the line in the last few days. That's usually what happens in the cool. stuff I've been involved in. Um, so that, well, let's, hope. Hope, let's hope that helps. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, people listen to this guys that's really not a lot of money I'm telling you now <laughs> I know that especially as well considering like I was just reading you're gonna, are you going to shoot this in 4k that's right yeah so there you go I mean like the best quality so it's pretty darn good um, yeah no we're really excited about it I mean yeah. we've got you know we've got Chance Encounter is a great calling card for us in terms of it shows that we, we we care about the whole thing we care about making sure that it's a story with, and then it's well acted but also all the nitty gritty stuff like we want the sets to be super accurate we want you know the props and the costumes and the sound effects to all be bang on legit so if you're really into Star Trek and really know all that stuff you'll be satisfied but on the, at the same time we're not just obsessing on whether the tricorder is the right one Yeah. you know we're really doing it the whole shebang from the high, high concept story all the way down to you know the, the set I mean one thing somebody said on YouTube for Chance Encounter they said somebody in the comments put in terms of like the ridiculous nerdy detail um, (laughs) somebody said dude I can't I can't believe you actually recreated the blue glow on the left hand side (laughs) of the screen during the end credits (laughs) that's so yeah the the original the, the HD remasters don't have that but the original copies they had this blue kind of uh, light colour bleed on the left hand side of the oh, end credits yeah yeah and I was like well, that's, that's on the end credits in my film man so I Brilliant. put that in and somebody noticed I don't know if lots of people noticed or what I don't know but he was the only one that's ever commented on it oh, so we, cool. we, we, we've got all the detail down even down to the odd artefacts that were in the original end credits as an error we've got them but we've also got you know <laughs> a, a good story and you know so we got the whole package from A to Z or whatever so yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm such an I'm such a nerd. I'm like, sorry, like, I I really need to stop like just looking at the Kickstarter page because the concept thing. I'm so in that's so my like interest. Like I'm seeing the the shot the, the setup for the the um shuttle the shuttlecraft. Right, like, that's so interesting. Um, well, like the the photo of yeah the, the photo of the camera yeah. setup and everything and the lights and that's so cool. Like a little it's like a little shed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's corrugated bits to make yeah. it look like a shed. That's yeah, so yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
Oh, I like yeah. that. That's cool. And it's all sitting there, man. It's all waiting to happen. It'll be even more ambitious. You know, that's why we we need a bit more money than Chance Encounter. But like you say, within the scheme of things, it's still really not very much money at all. Not at all. For a crowdfunding thing. And and we're ready to go, man. We've got it all. We've got the script. Yeah, so you're planning on releasing it uh, early next year. Early next year, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's cool. No, that, that sounds really awesome. Like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm, tr- um, I'm just curious about... Uh, it's nice because... Oh, that was what I was going to say. Sorry, I, was, I, was, I lost my train of thought for a second. Is is the 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 fan concept because um we've had the stuff I, I I don't bore people to go into but like this is something I'm very that's why I was comfortable having you on because I find it very uh, and I understand I understand CBS's view on this because you know you see people there was a period of time where Star Trek people were just latching onto it and making money off it and like that's a real like moral <laughs> moral like um. Like, because I, I, it's 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 completely like why does because it's Star Trek does it make it that unique? Like in the sense of that if you take someone else's stuff and copy it and make money off it, it's the same no matter what it is you do. So I mean, essentially, what you're saying here is that um, I'm assuming the other thing that you mentioned in terms of CBS stuff, as you said this earlier, is just with it being a fan film, it's not about making any money. Um, so like that's, oh that's, yeah that's, yeah that's so, right I mean yeah that's the last I mean it's it's going to cost us money even if we raised our full money yeah from the Kickstarter we'll still be putting our own money in yeah. as well and you know there's there's no nobody's making any money out of this it's, exactly it's, yeah uh, but it, but <laughs> like purely for the love well but that that that's that's what a fan film should be realistically um yeah. it, it, but I'm just saying it's like it kind of nosedive for a period of time because I was going. There's people making like production companies out of like the money they were making off the back of like fan films, and I'm going, that's, that's not necessarily the right approach, really, because I, I I don't know, but it, I'm just saying it's nice to say go back to the old school, like we're making it because it's fun, and like if yeah. you get work off the back of that, that's great, but um, but yeah, it's just nice to see people doing it for the the the, the authenticity of it, if that makes sense, because like yeah, um, yeah, because that 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 does annoy me to a certain extent, and it's very. Like, I, I've talked about this before, like, behind the scenes with doing podcasting or interviewing people, is you do, I, I, I feel responsible as an interviewer to, um, well, I guess the host, really, I don't really like the word interviewer, in, interviewer interviewee, um, but um, I'm just saying, like, I look at it as, if I don't necessarily agree with it, that puts me in an uncomfortable position, and I'm just like, I don't like, you know, because if someone, it's the, it's the equivalent of if someone took my podcast and went, I'm going to put ads in it and make money, it's the same, it's the same concept, so why right. start, why Star Trek different, so, um, I'm just saying it's nice in that sense that that's, that's the way that you approach it, and so that's why I had no issue, you know, talking to you, because it's like, it's, it's nice that, that people do Star Trek films and, and, and actually, you can see the passion in it, like, that's one of the things I, I noticed doing, Chan- watching Chance Encounter, definitely, um, it's just like, you, you, it's clearly someone who's seen Next Generation, <laughs> that's, another, that's, another, that's another thing you see with fan films and go on, have they seen this product before, <laughs> um, this doesn't make any sense, but uh, anyway, um, cool, so, um, like, when did you release the, this is something you never said, like, when did Chance Encounter come out, because obviously I watched it this week, but when did you release that? Uh, it came out. We, we it went live on YouTube on I, I think February first, twenty seventeen. Yeah. So I was gonna say last just year. Over a year, so a year ago. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty months. cool then. So yeah. So um, is the so what's the I mean? Because I always like sort of end my podcast by saying like future future stuff. Like as in 
what if this does, if we play the hypothetical game of if this gets me, it is the plan to keep doing to keep doing specials if this is if this goes well and it's fun and um, um, everything else. I'm so. not sure, honestly. I yeah. I can't I don't really have the capacity to think beyond <laughs> what I'm doing at the moment. Very like me. <laughs> people so people wondered you know, people asked me that when we were doing the other one or when yeah. we just released it and like, Oh, you're gonna do another one? It was like man, I have no idea. I'm so so spent from yeah. doing it because Chance Encounter was a lot of work and the Holy Four will be just even more yeah. um, which you know <laughs> I, I relish the chance to do it it's a sort of privilege and an honour if we get funded and are able to do it yeah. Um, but yeah I mean there's it certainly there's not there's no certainly any plans for some sort of multiverse or characters connecting yeah. or anything and but as you said you can't do, do another series, one you? it yeah. would just be a whole new group like a random one yeah yeah because as you said you can't do a continuous series like CBS yeah that, I mean that's that's um, one thing yeah. we wouldn't be allowed to but yeah. I don't think we'd want to anyway but so. it's cool do you not find it cool though because I'm thinking that's fairly lenient that they allow you to have like uniforms that look virtually the same because I've that's seen because they're licensed ones you see oh and I so see technically we're buying them from uh, a Paramount licensee called Anovos oh I see you're buying the authentic and ones yeah, which allows you to use them oh I see that's right deep in that in the guidelines is something about like if you use you know uniforms tricorders that are that we sell versions of yeah then you have to use the the ones we sell don't buy like a a, a, uh, knock, uh, a knockoff version yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. that's 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 nice because um, I've always I, I remembered when I ever you know if I ever thought about putting stuff on because obviously you mentioned YouTube because YouTube have their own guidelines and it's like you know what can you and can't you put behind in the back of scenes like because you know what what's regarded as copyright and what isn't because you know like you see a bunch of people like video game YouTubers who have like loads of posters in the background and you go like right. what, at what point does it end like at what point yeah. do you go like you know oh, like a, a one second shot of because I used to joke whenever I used to film anything as long as you don't go up to a poster and it's like a poster for Coca-Cola and going I feel really thirsty and like lean towards it yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean that's that whole other territory isn't it on yeah. this intellectual property rights yeah stuff, yeah there's people who know all about it. I, I basically know nothing, but I, I know that di- I think Disney were the ones that drove. Originally, the law was supposed to last like 20 years or, or, or okay. 10 years or something, and yeah. and Disney were like, "Hang on, we're going to get screwed," and, and and really just paid for the law to be changed so that it goes <laughs> yeah. on in perpetuity and all that. A whole other topic, but yeah, I, it's mad. You know what? If you ever if you ever try and sell stock footage to a stock footage library. Mm-hmm. They are sticklers, man. You cannot have a single logo in there. Yeah. So, like, even if you, like, stick a, a video camera on, like, the bridge of a motorway and just film traffic going yeah. from the from the middle, they'll be like, nope, because a truck went past and it's got a logo on it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. You're like... <laughs> I know. So, that, yeah, that makes sense because it's got to be, like... Um uh, royalty free isn't it yeah that's right yeah. so you often you'll see you know library footage and somebody's holding like an iPad or something there's just yeah. like a piece of tape over yeah. the, the a logo ba- a bag with a, a bag with an Adidas logo on or something yeah yeah, yeah. and oh, then Jesus. and then sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. The, the company will then so you might download a bit of footage and, and use it but it looks fake with a bit of gaffer tape on the back of the tablet <laughs> so then they'll then track in the Apple logo back off to it Oh, so yeah. it doesn't look like they've used cheap stock footage, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's crazy yeah, world that is pretty ridiculous, but yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think you've got to get some leniency. But uh, uh, what I said earlier, I, I, I guess the defence I have for like people who have like a really big copyrighted brand of something is that when somebody like leeches off it and makes their own money, I'm completely in agreement with them that they should be like 
not allowed to do that. Um, but at the same time, I'm pleased that fans who like yourself who want to make a like dedication in their own way and do their own story that they're not like penalised for doing anything. Like you know, that looks like a similar communicator ban them, right. sue them for millions of dollars. Like, yeah, well, they um, have to start know. with things like the two Ronnies or Saturday Night Live. Cause yeah, there's been so many sketches over the years. It's like, well, so you you, you know, they come after a YouTube fan film but they don't go after the BBC for yes, some exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know it gets absurd but I yeah. think that um, I mean in some ways uh, lots of people have been uh, critical and possibly even cynical about the guidelines that yeah. CBS put out for Star Trek films <laughs> but in many ways I think it, we're sort of better off now because previously anybody that raised any money literally didn't know they were literally just doing it in a vacuum yes Whereas exactly, now, yeah. it's basically like, okay, you maybe agree or disagree with some of these rules. Like I said, personally, none of them really kind of bother me personally, although, you know, we're the ones you just, But the ones you just, the ones you described as examples, you, when I asked you, to me, make perfect sense. Yeah, that's the same reason. Well, I mean, yeah. some others are like, you can't have sex and drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, fine, I, I don't <laughs> need that. I mean, yeah, yeah. people said, but, but Scotty was always a bit, you know, half-cut or whatever. It's like, fine, yeah. but I don't, you know, whatever. I, none of them really weigh down on me particularly. So I and as I say, I don't think, as you said earlier, I mean, this was the ultimate respect because you said this earlier, is um, uh, this only ever really unbelievably started when essentially, because Star Trek's a great example of this, because the amount of fan films that are like pretty good and expensive started to make a huge amount of money. Like, you know, when you start getting into hundreds and thousands and half a million profit or something, then people make their own, like, production companies and stuff out of it. Then that it re- that, that they care about that, because that's, like, people making j- legitimate... You know, yeah. and it, it doesn't make it right, because really you should have the same rules for everybody, but that was what made them, like, make rules for everybody, because, as you said, it was... I remember it, like, not that long ago, like, a, maybe five or something years ago, where... Um, people, as you said, weren't sure, so they just went. Well, if they're not sure and they're not really clear on the guidelines. I'll well, they weren't any. Uh, yeah, yeah well, exactly. Yeah, I'll just do it and see what happens, and then. Yeah, and then and that's yeah, a much and, bigger yeah. risk for yes. somebody to put money into that when, you yeah. know, they could have just come in, you know, nuclear and just taken all of it yeah. with no, you know. Mm-hmm. So now we're in a sort of safer space. Yeah, exactly, yeah, because now you know if you break this rule, you're going to get done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, cool. So I encourage people to go to the Kickstarter. I'll mention it in the introduction, but obviously please go to um, the Holy Core on the Kickstarters. Um, and I'll say, I'll, I, I, I could say the whole URL, but what I'll do to make it easier is I'll put a link on the in the description. Um, so if you just copy and paste that, it'll send you right there. If you type in the Holy Core, probably Kickstarter, you'll find it. Or if you go to um, StarTrekFanFilm.com, isn't it? Is that right? It's Star Trek Short Film. Star- Short Film. Com. Right. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. So um, I'll make sure I get that right in the introduction. But uh, yeah. So obviously encourage you to go on that. It um, mentions like you know Gary's background, which we've touched on, and everything else, and and uh, you can go through that. So a little fun little last question to do before uh, as we wrap this up is to say because um, we played this game with the Engage Podcast guys. Oh yes, um, the game. Um, so. Um, I'm assuming, right, have you watched every Star Trek series, like Deep Space Nine? I know we're never going to talk about any of them, but mm. did you watch yeah, Deep sure. Space Nine, Voyager? Um, yeah. Enterprise, we forget, happens. I'm assuming you're in agreement with that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I like Enterprise as well. Okay. I, I, we'll, I like include, we'll include Enterprise as well, then, for your benefit, okay. for your game. Um, we, like playing, we like playing the um, name your favourite crew. So okay. what we mean is that pick your favourite captain, like first officer, doctor, 
science oh, wow. officer, helmsman, and you've got all the series to pick from. Oh, wow. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, there's so many varying answers. Okay. So me, I, I, I think it's obvious, the, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem with me is that I tend to overthink these things. Okay. I'm like, yeah, well, I need to figure this out, so I shouldn't do that. I should just go with uh, what comes straight off the top of my head. So i say Captain. I would have Captain Picard. Yeah. I, I, I have an agreement. Right, okay. Not, cool. not Janeway. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Archer. Uh, yeah. Uh, first no. officer, I think I would probably go for... Uh, oh, God, see, I'm overthinking it. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I think... Just to let you know, the reason I'm being like slightly unfair is most mm. people pick a lot from Next Generation, so I'm right. re- I have a feeling that you're going to pick the same thing. <laughs> but like, well, I was, I was thinking about Riker. I yeah. Admit. Well, I'll say Chakotay then, because why not? Okay. You knew where you were with him. He was a reliable yeah. chap. I actually thought like the 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 tattoo and the like because uh, I'm not religious, but like I don't mind religious stories. But there were quite a few episodes of like him. The spiritual guide and all Kuchimaya. that kind of thing, Kuchimaya, yeah. yeah. And um, that I, I actually that surprisingly didn't weigh on me as much as I expected because I actually right. think he's a pretty good actor. I actually yeah. once saw. Did you ever see there was a? Um, I wish I'd remember the name of it because I caught it on regular TV and I went, "It's Robert Beltran," and yeah. he was in like a really poor version of like it was like a Starship Trooper, like um, ripoff. And okay. he was like a soldier on a planet, and he had like a big gun. And oh, was, you mean and the Voyager episode? No, no, it was actually right. a film, like okay. an actual film he was in with a bunch right. of other people, and it was literally a star, Starship Trooper ripoff. And right. he was like a general, he was like a general or something, and he was he was the only good person in it. Right. <laughs> like it was really not great. Yeah. But anyway, I just randomly referenced that, but like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I like him. I'm just mentioning that as an I think he's actually a pretty good actor. So. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah I don't, I don't mind him as first officer. I just think he yeah. wasn't necessarily always given the best material. Yes, for Voyager. That's the problem. He mentioned that. He mentioned that. Actually, yeah, he's, I think he's made it clear over the years, what through various interviews, that he wasn't that satisfied with it and kind of was bored, I guess. Well, by the end, and also, then they randomly just went, "Oh, I knew we're seven of nine towards yeah, the end." Like that, that was weird. Felt particularly yeah. organic. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Um, yeah, so I don't know where I am on my crew, but so I you guess did I'd like Captain, um, first officer, uh, uh, doc, doctor. Oh, Doctor, I reckon... I think I'd, I'd probably go with McCoy, actually. Ah, nice. Because I just old, think... Old, old, I, I original, yeah. Yeah, I just think that he he would... He would he would fight to keep me alive, yeah. man. He really would. And he, also... He'd, he'd, he'd die himself to keep me alive, you know? <laughs> and, also the, um, and also the... the Ed, I'm stealing from Eddie Izzard here, but, like, even if your name's not Jim, you just go, Jim, how long have I known you? Jim, Jim, <laughs> Jim. He's dead, Jim. No, sorry, he's dead, Jim. No, he's dead. No, it's Jim, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so you just be Jim regardless if that's not your name or not. But, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just the, yeah, so, no, McCoy is a doctor. I, I agree with you on that. I wouldn't mind having Jadzia around the place because... She's pretty easy on the eye. Yeah. <laughs> she's one smart, wise old man. So. Yeah, she's got like eight lives or whatever it is. She was like, wasn't it the eighth trill, I think? The eighth body, yeah, I think? Seventh or eighth. Seventh, something, something like yeah, that, yeah. I'm too sure, yeah. I, I watched right, an, I an, I've been wa- re watching a bit of DS9 recently, and it's not my favourite, but um, she's good in it. Like, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. Because, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. certain she said an episode I watched a couple of days ago that I think was like eight. eight I have eight memories or something, so I think it was seventh yeah. or eight, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, so. 
it'd be kind of cool to have data around the place. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, uh, could, you, could, uh, you could cheat. What some people have done when I've asked this have cheated and made them a helmsman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is yeah. a little bit, it's a little bit cheating because he's really, you know. But um, I think I'd, I wouldn't mind having a trip around as okay. an engineer. Oh, that's cool. I think it'd, it'd be good to have beers with trip. He's kind of. I think it's pretty chilled out. Yeah, actually, that's cool. not too. That's not a bad thing. Yeah, because I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't pick like the Forge. Basically, I, I like Lavar Burton and I like the character, but he's another one who like they made he's him a really square. Cool. He, he's yeah. like girl repellent. Well, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah. So it's fair to say they made him like really creepy, like because yeah, um, I, I encourage people to what listen to Nerdist podcasts when he was on, and right. uh, they ran. This was ages ago, but it's one of my favourite episodes because they really just mess about and it's nice because he they talk at length about Star Trek and he says that like his theory, which I thought was fascinating, is that they didn't know how to deal with black male sexuality, as right. the writers didn't. So any time they they created a scenario where he was doing something, they panicked and just got out of the story. So that's right. why like all the episodes he did with women, they they just didn't pursue because yeah. they were worried about what to do with it. Um, even yeah, back I, then, I've, I've actually heard um, him say that before, yeah. and I thought it was interesting. But whether it's true or not, I don't know. I mean, it does his take. Right, doesn't it? puts the writers I, in a bad light. <laughs> I think maybe they were just trying to make him kind of awkward because they thought that would be interesting. interesting. Yeah. Maybe. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah, actors, I know what you're saying, because like, actors a lot of the time go, I wanted them to make it perfect for me, so I'm in every scene and every. <laughs> yeah, and I've got, I get the girl, and. Uh, but yeah. I certainly think they kind of screwed him up. A uh, little bit, yeah. They certainly, in terms of the women thing, I certainly think they, they got stuck in a rut with him. Like, they got yeah. in a feedback loop and they couldn't write their way out of it for some reason. But whether that was because of black. Uh, sexuality or not, or whether mm-hmm. it was just because they thought he should be a computer nerd or geek, as we were looking at. Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably. And, yeah. But interesting take, though. But I yeah. think if I was going to have an engineer, I'd probably have uh, Trip from That's Enterprise. Fair enough. I could just... I think it'd be easy to hang around with. Yeah, he is kind of cool. Like, Yeah, I think yeah. out of the, all of the Enterprise crew, yeah, I thought... I, I liked him quite a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, is science... Would you obviously pick Spark? Um... I'm not sure. Quite possibly. Quite yeah. possibly, I would. Because that, that yeah. always is like the dead well, third always seems to be that. Oh, yeah, you said Jadzia, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So she's also a helmsman, so. <laughs> Technically, yeah. DS9 was certainly the most uh, kind of uh, unstructured in terms of what their actual roles were. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think the only one was like. Just goes in charge and Bashir's the doctor. Well, Ordo, I, I guess, because I was going to say to you next, the last thing I think the only one you haven't mentioned is security, sort of. So, like, you've got right. Worf and Ordo and. Um, yeah. Because uh, uh, yeah, the original series didn't really have Tuvok, security. Tuvok. Okay. I might go for Malcolm Reed, actually. Oh, right. He's, he's just cynical. I kind of like that dry, cynical. <laughs> right. it, it wouldn't be Worf. Although, Worf could be interesting if you were going to hang around with him a lot. I'd. Uh, like, like they something in season two and next gen that they were starting to create a connection between Wolf and Pulaski, which I think potentially could have been kind of a cool dynamic. Yeah, that's the easiest thing. Yeah, yeah. And that got abandoned. So I'd like to think that uh, if you wanted to, you could you could probably become quite good mates with Wolf. Yeah, I would say so. 
And I go, you also would have your back. Like, I mean, you wouldn't be worried about being in a fight. <laughs> no, no. Although, of course, there is the trope that he loses every fight. Even though he's I know, yeah, even though he's <laughs> awesome, yeah. But, but yeah, that, that's... It's every also, time you in a fight, it's extenuating circumstances. And I just love it. it just, it's also funnier when Picard, like, beats him down with language. He's all like, you know, I loved it when he used to discipline Wolf. He's <laughs> all like, you know... Like, the bit where... He, the, I watched it recently. The one where he—it's the one where he meets—is it Alexander? Oh no! Right. I th- no, I think it's the—it's the one where the ambas- the Klingon ambassador, the uh, um, forge, the forge gets brainwashed by the Romulans to kill oh, yeah, the person. Yeah, and right. the beginning of the episode is that Worf goes up to Picard in the bridge and says, "Do you mind if I don't go to the transporter to meet our guests?" That's right. <laughs> and he totally like dresses him down in front of everyone and goes, "You're the security officer." Like basically, you go fuck yourself or something. Right. <laughs> you know, he basically like a roundabout way says, "Are you crazy?" Like no. Dude, stop being a baby. And then I love these lines. The light, the the terrible line that the writers gave him where they go, he goes, "I withdraw my request." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I remember. I withdraw my request sir, and I'm like, uh, yeah. Klingon wouldn't say that. I'm, would, getting, you, it, uh, yeah. I'm getting it in my mind. I'm clear on it now. But as yeah. you're describing it, I was also thinking of uh, Starship Mine. Where oh yes, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, everybody wants to get out of the reception with Hutchinson. <laughs> oh, that's the forge who gets out of yeah. it, and uh, Wolf yeah. goes, "Can I get out of it?" And he goes, "He beat you to it." Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Wolf does that jaw thing, and he's all happy with it. I like that episode. That's another example of what you were saying that um, just Picard stuck in the stuck in the starship. That was, yeah. that was a fun episode. Die um, hard in space with uh, a with an appearance by Tim Russ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. I'll not keep you any longer. We went way longer than I thought, but it was really fun. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. Nice, but yeah. Um, but yeah so, um, as I said, encourage people to go and watch, uh, go and see, go and watch Chance Encounter on YouTube, and you can find it on the website that we just mentioned. And obviously, go to Kickstarter, and you'll find the Holy Call there, which currently has seven t- as of this recording, because the record will still be released a few days time. Um, we're looking at 17 days to go I think it was when I was on it yeah. last year so yeah we need your help kids yeah. seriously it will be a weeks. really good film honestly it really will be good it looks great it looks great and as I said it's about what a third uh, a, a four, like maybe a quarter a quarter pledge so far so yeah, it's doing okay it's doing okay yeah, so, um, so yeah please, please head over and, and help us out I, I swear it will be a good film yeah that, that I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's just we can do it all. We just need this funding right now, and then, yeah, yeah. then it's plain sailing. And, and I said, not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money at all. So yeah, so that's pretty cool. Awesome, right? Um, so thanks so much, Gary, for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Um, I, I really hope it it works out. And as I said, I, I, I wasn't joking when I said earlier. I watched Chance Encounter a couple of times. Um, because um, I, you know, the honest thing was, is I I wasn't aware of this before you emailed me, and then when I I watched it, I was really, um, I really quite liked it. Um, and that's that's rare for me to say because a lot of fan stuff I don't like. So, um, so yeah, I encourage people to watch it. So, um, good luck with ev- good luck with everything, and if you, um, and hopefully if you get to do a next one, you're welcome back on. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> be Sounds good to me. Awesome. Right. Um, I'll say bye to you unofficially, but I'll just wrap this up now. Um, so all I'll say is thank you so much to Gary for being on the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Obviously. If you listen to this on iTunes, please just consider subscribing to us. As I mentioned throughout, we've had a hundred and odd episodes, so you can find that all on iTunes and any other podcast directory you choose to find. We're pretty much on all of them. Um, so please do subscribe, and uh, thank you so much for listening. I'll end the podcast like I always end, in the words of the great B-movie robot jocks crash and burn, and we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Geek Partners Podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye.